What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Middlecoff! Hey, be fight on fight! Hey, be haves! What was it? I was starting Which singing the, was that? the USC, isn't it? Fight on for all to see! Fight on for victory! Go dogs! Yeah, wait, hold on. Why don't you sing the Fresno State? Well, because the, the, you have go. to admit, when USC is rolling and they start doing those Vs with their finger... Back in Pete Carroll heyday, it was badass, right? Yeah. It's as yeah. cool as anything we got out on this side of the country. Yeah, we need it. <laughs> yeah. We need it back, John. And then when they win a sweet game, like Sanchez or Liner would be on top with a fake sword. It's on top of the ladder. It was pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. I remember, I think I told you this, but one of the cooler things I've seen in the stadium, in that realm kind of, you just made me think of it, was uh, I went to a game at Michigan State a few years ago, and they brought Draymond out. It was Michigan State, Oregon. And this is like, you know, I mean, Draymond was a star. And they bring Draymond out. and He could have, have never like, been good in the NBA and they could have brought him out, right? Yes, but he was. this was like he was great in the NBA now. Yeah. And they bring him out. He's got like a, a Spartan, like the big metal helmet on with the piece that comes over the nose. And he's I don't remember if he had a sword or not, but they, he was like on the field with that thing on his head. And the, they put him on the video board and the place is just going crazy. Pre-game. Uh, pre-game or halftime. I think it was might have been halftime. Yeah. But, could have been pregame. I don't know. Yeah, we don't really do anything like that at Cal Poly. Uh, you know, I think I'm. I've just I've texted and DM'd with enough people that are like, "Yo, man, what do you think? I, I'm going to. Uh, I'm flying into Oregon." Or, "Yo, man, I I, I was at this athletic dinner the other night. Saw a- that Anthony Slater, who went to Oklahoma State. I think it's his girlfriend, maybe fiance, uh, is an Oklahoma grad. They're doing a double whammy. They're going. Oregon State, Oklahoma State, because they flew to Portland, going to that tonight. He's like, God, I found tickets relatively cheap. He's like, we're sitting front row. I'm like, well, if you, any football coach would tell you, you actually probably want to sit a little higher. The front row, you know, in football is kind of shitty. And then I think either they're taking the red eye or tomorrow morning, and they're flying to Oklahoma, Houston. Like, I, I don't I, – I'm going to need my kid to go to the SEC or something because I don't have yeah. that guy. You want to go Cal Poly, Fresno State, bang, bang? Yeah, just that, that wouldn't do it for me. <laughs> That wouldn't do it for even like BYU Utah because they're rattling off like 
I guess, uh, how do you say the head coach of BYU's name? Satani? Uh, Kalani Sataki. He must have played for Lavelle Edwards back in the day, and he brought his mm-hmm. wife or something to talk to the team. Yeah. And then Lavelle, they, Lavelle has since passed. Yeah, and so. then they just start rattling off. Like I was thinking, I wonder, I bet Steve Young is locked in at his house watching this game. You know, yeah. and Coach Reed is probably at his house watching this game. Well, the BYU guys take a lot of pride in it, just like the Utah guys do. And that's not, it wouldn't be considered like Florida, Georgia, but that was pretty badass. I, I wish I went to like BYU, not to be Mormon or anything, but just take some pride in my program. Right. Yeah, that, that rivalry is pretty legit. Because all the blue, the place was rocking. Well, the col- aren't the colors just the red and the blue? Like, it's just it's the sweet. colors are fantastic. It, it, it was uh, underrated uni is the University of Cincinnati. Like, their unis are pretty strong. Just the black. I, I, I was like, God, they, they... I don't love their logo. They look but, sharp. Well, it's a bear... You know, it's yeah. a paw, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to look sweet with a paw. But the, just the black is pretty sweet. What did you think of the uh, uh, of the broadcast booth? For which one? For the Cincinnati-UCLA game. You know, I, I, I'm always in a new... Like, I, I'm just... The the amount of just random former players spewing nothing. I, I don't mind McAfee giving me some curveballs and just having a good time. Hasselback's good. I, I liked it a lot. And what's yeah. his name? Uh, Adam Amin's really good. Yeah. So I saw, I think Trania tweeted. I actually, you said you didn't have any trouble telling the two of them apart. I had a little. Tr- you let, I, I, had I a just know Mac, what McAfee sounds like. Well, but what what happened is like there would be times where I thought it was Hasselbeck, and then Hasselbeck would start talking, and then I'm like, oh no, that's Hasselbeck. Yeah. That happened a couple times. That's fair. But I I, Same I, thing I enjoyed it. Like, um, I enjoyed it. I actually could use a little more Hasselbeck, but I thought it was a good mix. I, I I'll tell you who because I was driving from Spokane to Pullman, and I had the game streaming through the speakers on my phone, like ESPN on the dashboard. But then I'm just kind of, you know, so I was more listening than watching. So you kind of watching. You had it Wi-Fi, like Wi-Fi or uh, Bluetooth? No, you, I like plugged the phone in. I got the video of ESPN streaming on the phone, and then the audio is coming through the speakers. Speakers of what? The, the car. Plug- through like, plug in through like the USB port in the car. Oh, gotcha, was gotcha. how it was connected. And you hit cruise control, and then the only thing, you don't have to worry about your speed, you just worry about steering. And it's a pretty straight shot. Um, it's amazing technology. How, I mean, does radio dead? <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I, I was like, I got to listen to this game. So I download the TuneIn app with, you know, it's like nine ninety nine for the month. So I buy it real quick. One week trial, going to cancel it. Don't forget. And, uh, no, I know. How many times and have you I, done something like that and canceled? Would you say that's your uh, go-to move in life? Uh, I've done it. The problem is most of them don't charge you. Yeah, I've done it a handful of times, but there's not, I don't know, like what else is in that category? I don't know. I feel like you're not helping the economy when people do moves like that. No, I don't really feel like most things are in that. Like I just buy the MLB package. There's no like trial. I don't know what. Couldn't you have just gone to Sirius XM? Because you have Sirius XM and stream. See, the game. I thought that too. I just didn't have, I was like, ah, you know, like the game's about to kick off. I'm about to drop it a rental car. I don't have time to find it. Yeah. They could have. I don't know what channel it was on. Well, because you, you, you could just search sports and then go through. It's pretty easy if you have the app. I do have the just app. Just do that but for next some time. reason. Every, literally every game ever known to man that's Division One or aren't Pro. Some of them only on, like I thought some of them are only on TuneIn or whatever the school's partner is. I'm pretty sure Sirius has them all. Okay, I should contact somebody that works in Sirius. <laughs> By the way, Friday four o'clock Pacific NBA Radio. I think the Dub Nation special. 
one-hour interviews. Rick Welts, Bob Myers. Let me promote Joe. Yeah, I've seen anyway, you tweet some of your talks with them. So I, so I enjoy the short answer is I, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I mean, I did enjoy it. So here was my comp. This is what I've taken nine minutes to tell you. My comp for Pat McAfee. You ready for my early comp on Pat McAfee? I almost uh, tweeted this, but no, I didn't want no. to deal with the I, people I that is like, that is, that is, you cannot put him in that category. Bill Rafferty. I, I don't, I don't mind that at all. Who people, you know, is a legend of basketball. Now it's take some time. But just his, I was like, who is? I didn't expect you to go. I didn't expect you. I thought you were gonna say like uh, someone in wrestling or someone just. uh, That's I like that. No, it's uh, it's not cross racial, but it is uh, uh, cross generational. Yeah, there there's an energy to him that can't be disputed, and I, I, you know, I I knew the old media trainee is probably in his mid forties, mid forty white guy media critic. Of course, he's gonna hate it. Of course, like guys like that. And again, it's not like it's his first game he's ever called. Maybe he did a trial one last year, late in the season. But I, I just like something different. And, and different in a way, this isn't like they just threw Middlecoff in there just spewing nothing. This guy did play in the NFL Pro Bowl level. Like, this isn't some slappy. He played at West Virginia. He's been around <laughs> football players his whole life. Like, he belongs. Well, plus, they just, like, he had, like, he wasn't pretending like he wasn't. No. And no. so there would be times where he's like, like, like America's been waiting for like there was a timeout before a punt out of the end zone for UCLA. Yeah. He's like, America's waiting for this. All of Australia is waiting for the biggest punt in the history of Australia. Well, like I was just like, like it was funny. I think that was Hasselback that said that. See, okay, see, I don't even know. Yeah, that, see, to me that was he's like he had another great comment. He's like, you know, just a couple former quarterbacks here, and then like two minutes later they're like, well, what was your uh, what was your career stats? He's like one for two. He's like, but I was one for one in my career on Thanksgiving. I, again, That's it just, right. That was a great line. There, there's just a new energy that, a, that of course, the old white media critic is going to hate. And I got news for them. Most of the people in the booth, I thought Ahmad Brooks, who did the other game, Utah-BYU, isn't, Ahmad, isn't that a running back for the Green Bay Packers? I, they kept calling him a defensive back. I'm like, do I know who this human is? I, see, I wasn't sure who he was. But it's just like, of course, he's like, yeah, he's got great bursts. He just says the same shit that I've heard every year for 50 years watching football. It's like, it's just cookie cutter bullshit. I, I, I want more McAfee. And again, people act like McAfee is some comedian in there. He played in the fucking NFL for almost 10 years, was a Pro Bowl punter, and went to West Virginia. Like, And his friends were all NFL football players. Like, yeah, he's he's going to be fine. And he's got a personality. Well, I think what always happens is people are like, oh, what, what is... There's one Pat McAfee, and I, he's done one game, so whatever. We're just evaluating one game. But there's it, Pat McAfee doing a game doesn't mean the whole world has changed. It's There's one of him. There's a bunch of other guys that don't – if he was a linebacker with his personality, people would think he should be doing Monday Night Football. So, well, guy, they're, they're, know, he, I mean, he tried to get the Monday Night like, – he might be the Monday Night Football guy next year, like one of them. There's well, a chance. I, we'll see, yeah, we'll, I mean, you have the hat, him and Lewis Riddick. There you go. Because um, <laughs> I've got Lewis – I've got Lewis early pegged for that one. Um but you have Hasselbeck with them, so I still get plenty of football analysis, you know. And they'll whatever they'll take time, they'll figure it out. Hasselbeck, I think, sneaky, pretty. Fu- I mean, I don't know if it's sneaky, but he's kind of funny well because too. I and I think McAfee's good for him because if he was by himself, you know, he'd probably be a little tighter. I think he eases up because at the, at the end of the day, I think Hasselbeck is a really fun guy, and I think it's a good combination. Here's the other thing, John. I think three man booths are really good if you can get them right, but they're really hard to get right. Yeah, I would agree because. With that. You know, like, uh, 
yeah, I just I think they're ta- they're 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 more often too many people talking. But if you can get them right, they can be really, really, really good. Well, to me, I look at three man booths like a three man radio show. It's it's basically impossible. Just there's just not enough airtime for all the guys to talk, yeah. and there's a sm- yeah. like one is really hard. You have a, there's there's a handful of unique talents that could do it right, right? Like Jim Rome forever, and even he's now kind of stale. Colin somehow has been doing it forever, and he'd even tell you he's just kind of nuts. Like it's it's rare. Like Bill Simmons, for example, like the big podcast, he doesn't have like it's not just him. His podcast is literally interviews. Thanks for telling us who Bill Simmons. Is. Yeah, but I I just mean like most people. Oh, Bill Simmons podcast. Well, yeah, it's not really. It's Bill Simmons plus his ever guest, right? Like he can't right. host a show by himself for an hour. That's not his deal. So right. I I think that you're right. I think they might have just got it right, and I, I enjoy it. Now you're right. Week one, good game, a lot of storylines, which we'll dive into, but. I enjoyed it. Now, I, fuck, I, right, so I, I, I would enjoy anything at that. You know, four o'clock the game. I was like, oh, was heaven. Oh man, I had forgotten that there were preseason games on, and I'm sitting at a bar watching that game, and some guy comes up to the bartender and is like, "Hey, we got to get this. The Seahawks game's about to start." The bartender's like, "Oh, okay." So of course, what do they do, John? What does the bartender do? Change Switches every TV to the Seahawks game. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, three TVs are on the... And I'm like, hey, can we get one of these back on the UCLA game? Did, you, I wanted to look at him and be... You should have said this. Do you understand that John Gruden left over half his team at home? They're playing about 45 guys. You've never heard of anyone. Seattle is probably doing the same thing. Let me tell you, I, I do this for a living. This game couldn't mean less than the toilet paper that you wiped your ass with this morning. Well, I'll give him credit, John. He wasn't a passive viewer. He was cheering throughout the game. So. And it's like, listen, you're you're in, you're in, you're all in with the Seahawks. I get it. This game doesn't mean a goddamn thing. Do you think he League understood that? that? Guy. No. Uh, yeah, I think he understood it. He just needed that game, man. Yeah. Now, at the end of the day, he'd probably tell you, you know, I'm only guaranteed twenty of these at the start of the year. Like, I'm only guaranteed twenty of these. So yeah, this is the worst one, but it's still one of the twenty. I'll tell you what, you know who that guy is? That guy's the guy who's sending thoughts and prayers to every player that gets cut. Like, really, <laughs> this is about the individuals. Yeah. Th- thanks for, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you wearing that, what's it, like, teal and white? <laughs> the s- silver and aqua. <laughs> I, I had high hopes you were the next largent, but good luck in selling insurance. <laughs> All right, this podcast is brought to you by Ease, E-A-Z-E dot com. And easewellness.com. The promo code you already know is ham. Promo code ham. Promo code ham. Ease.com. Promo code ham. Uh, I get so many people reaching out to me every day. Like, finally, I finally broke down. I finally got her. Get a get a DM. Be like, middle cop, what's the best CBD? I said, I don't know. Just go to easewellness.com. Type in the promo code ham and search. There's uppers. There's sleep aids. There's make you feel goods. There's some lotion that you can put on your your elbows and your knees if you get you know creaky joints. Uh, it's just something for your dog's got a little anxiety and Fido's bouncing around. Give them a little give them a little CBD anxiety treatment. It, it, I'm telling you, ease and ease.com, easewellness.com. It, whether you want THC, whether you want CBD, it's got something for everyone. Tell your friends. Promo code ham. Promo code ham. Promo code ham. Yep, Ease is the best delivery platform to get the best legal licensed, fully tested marijuana products delivered to you. If you're 21 and over, get verified. Make sure they deliver in your area. And EaseWellness.com is nationwide CBD shipments. 20 bucks off your first delivery. 
with the promo code HAM if you've used it. Tell your friends. And this podcast is brought to you by, it is the season, John, mybookie.ag, promo code HAM and the numeral one if you're going to gamble mybookie.ag promo code ham numeral one a guy we, we've been giving out winners hawaii winner cincinnati winner uh I, yeah i didn't feel great about utah just because that number was you know it's rivalry game but mm-hmm. we were leaning that way you could tell in our tone that would have been a winner but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna claim <laughs> that one uh we had a we got a i mean not great game. I'll be honest. I picked. I, I took BYU at the points. Yeah, Colorado State. Colorado always a sucker for that one. Purdue at Nevada. Oklahoma State. Oregon State. You got a bunch of games tonight. Obviously, a ton of games Saturday. MyBookie.ag has football games galore. They also have a uh, have a picks contest. Enter a hundred dollars with a chance to win a hundred grand. And obviously, NFL games starting not next Sunday, guy. Next Thursday, we got Bears. We got Packers. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's the 100th year anniversary because NFL Network, all they wear is those collared shirts with the 100 on it, which I think it's a little cheesy, but I'll tell you this, I can't freaking wait for next Thursday night. That, that's that's a football game now, and you better believe we'll be gambling, and I can't wait. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1, promo code HAM1. Also, guy, with the rollover bonus, or they, you know, you can get 100% up to $1,000. But if you get if you deposit thousand dollars and they give you a free thousand dollars, that's two thousand dollars. Here's the thing though, you have to you, you have to gamble the free money they gave you. You can't just bet a hundred dollars and even lose it and you have nineteen hundred dollars and then just cash out and get a free nine hundred dollars. It's not the way it works. But you can decline the rollover bonus where if you put five hundred dollars, they give you no bonus and you can cash out whenever you want, no matter how much you win. Good. Well said. Also, uh, just on that uh, super contest, the first online handicapping super contest, like you said, 100 bucks to enter. Winner is guaranteed at least 100000 What you do is you pick five NFL games against the spread every week, climb the leaderboard, score your share of the huge cash prize. Cool. I'll, I'll, and we'll have some more picks later. I'll tell you this, guy. Also, look for this, my people. Next week, well, we did this a couple times last year. with our. We're going to have DraftKings back on the pod. I got a little aggressive, and I made a couple games early with 200 people. That was the max. I think we can fill that for next weekend. A 200-person game, DraftKings, for Ham. Maybe $10 buy-in? That would be a big little pot. Okay. We, we got to fill it, though, because if we don't fill it, it then the game doesn't happen. Yeah, you just keep your money. I, I, think, we, I think we could easily fill it this year. What All do right, you think? Well, let's start pushing it. You like yeah, 200? Let's, let's, yeah, let's go big. Week one, it probably... We'll probably do it for like Friday and Saturday and then start on Sunday because the Thursday game, I'm not going to include because there's just so many games on Sunday. No, I'm with you. you good on that? Gotta, I'm good on it. When can we get that link up? Uh, yeah, Maybe we can start doing it early in the week next week. We'll, we'll huddle up, but that, that's happening, guy. I'm all, I've already okay. been thinking about my team, my couple sleepers I want. Like I don't know if, if most people would pick this guy. Right. I, 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 got, I got a strategy. I'm in. I like it. 200 people, but we got to fill it. We got to fill it. 10 bucks ahead? Yeah. Winner take all, or no? Let's just do top 20 or something. We'll figure it out. Uh, winner t- God, we can't do winner take all. We'll do, but top 10, I, I like that. Because I, okay. I play in some games sometimes that are like, you know, uh, 1,000 people in and the top like 200 place. So whether you get one or whether you finish 199, you get 50 bucks. And the buy in mm-hmm. was like 20 bucks. I, I like a little more juice at the top, but it's not clearly it's just harder to win. We probably include the Monday night games too. Let's do that Sunday and Monday because there's four teams playing on Monday night. 
the following Monday. Yeah, so yeah. all the games Sunday and Monday night. So basically, we'd know the winner by the end of the Raiders. Uh, who the hell are they? The Bronco game. Okay. I like. Aren't you glad that just the regular season's here? It really felt like yeah. last night because I'm thank thank you for getting up super early this morning and going through and getting picking some highlights in the Raiders and Niners preseason four game. I was just so locked in on college football. Yeah, that, you got it. That uh, I, I didn't watch one, not one snap beside Twitter highlights, and I feel glorious today. God, <laughs> if you watch the snap, I, I feel for you. Unless they're oh like man, cousin. I just saw. I just randomly walked into a highlight of. Uh... The great thing, the the key with the Seahawks is get a quarterback similar skin tone and height to Russell, and people might think you're watching the starting quarterback. Who was it? Do you know? No, I just saw a highlight. I don't know who that is. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't. You couldn't even. You put a gun to my head. I have no clue who their backup quarterback is. Geno Smith, maybe. But the crazy thing, like with the Niners, the thing is, all their quarterbacks are like, like starter level. If you ask the, if you ask Kyle, so, you know. Yeah, I, no matter who plays, I think Kyle's a little power hungry. All right, we'll get to Kyle in a minute. Let's start with like last night though. UCLA Cincinnati. That was the game. It was the first game, so everybody's watching that game. It was the game we were talking about a little bit earlier, the Thursday night um, ESPN broadcast team, and uh, that they were three and a half point underdogs, and it actually went to uh, two and a half. So people were betting on Chip in UCLA. Uh, I took Cincinnati in that game. They won the game last year on the road and won eleven games, but um, they're pretty good. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen UCLA win just because you know Pac-12 stuff. Um, what'd you What'd you think? I mean, I. Like you said to me, that should have been a, a scoop and score at the end of the game for UCLA. But your point, you, we were texting about it, and you're like, it's not, but the, UCLA didn't really deserve to win that game, and you're right. Well, I, I saw Orlowski tweet, like, you guys can freak out all you want about this, you know, fumble that they might, may or may not have screwed up. I always hate when the guy's getting his knee snapped and just out of pain, you know, the running back when he's on a pile, and just. Everything let you know, it's just like any human would do. If you were carrying groceries and like a and like a rattlesnake built your bit your foot, you would just drop everything. It's no different than a football. He just thinks his legs getting snapped, and it's just a human reaction. So I, I never blame that. Like the coach is like ball security. It's like yeah, my leg broke, and but then it turns out he's one hundred percent fine because he came into the game like three plays later. If you are going to do that and you think you were going to get really injured, you have to kind of pimp the injury. Like, oh, oh, coach, I, I can walk it out. You don't need to carry me. I think I can get to the side. And then you realize, like, God, I think I'm fine. <laughs> That's what the kid kind of did. So he did, like, a fake walk to the locker room. It, it was genius. I, 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 <laughs> then they're like, oh, oh, they overturned it? Cool, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're good, coach. I, I'm, I'm ready to go back in. I shook it off. I'm tough. Toughness at 100. Uh, guy, it's just there is no disputing that – this guy is a little bit like uh, Barry Zito toward the end of the Giants, and there's going to be no Super Bowl run. He, he's throwing about maybe 80 miles an hour. He's getting shelled. Chip Kelly is one of the all-time fall from graces. I don't think it's hyperbole. I, I think in our lifetime we've ever seen because in this day and age, we still live in the moment. Like LeBron's getting shit on, but I still remember – He's one of the fucking best players I've ever seen in his peak. I, I got news for it. He's better than Steph. He's better than Durant. I know what I witnessed. I, I don't care how shitty he gets in L.A. It was unreal. You know, what Chip was doing at Oregon. I, I went in to that school his last year 
the hype on this guy was beyond a rock star. I mean, he was taking college football by storm. The irony was he had, you know, people like Alabama would be like, well, what the fuck did he actually win? And he never, like, Saban's a double whammy. Like, he took college football by storm by winning, like, seven natties. Like, Chip didn't win a natty. Yeah, but, but you, you know, we've talked about this before. The standard, you're talking about the greatest coach of all time now. You see who you're comparing. Well, I, but that's probably. how, but I think people, that's like, that's why Alabama would be like, can we pump the brakes a little bit? Because that's who Chip was like. Chip for Saban, you know, and that's where he was. And I'm telling you, if you watched it, which most people probably listen to this pod, you know, consumed a decent amount of those Oregon games, it was incredible. And it wasn't like, God, you know, he's just doing this crazy passing game. His drives would be like three plays of running like fly sweeps, and he'd score a touchdown. And it's like they couldn't run out the clock because they would just score. It was crazy. And then he goes to Philly, and even his first couple years in Philly, was like, God, this guy's on to something. And then that third year to where we're at now, I, I, as I tweeted last night, it's been a lucrative proposition betting against Chip. His last year in Philly, his year with the 49ers, and then his two, you know, his year in a game at UCLA. He's right now, guy. He's not a good football coach. He is nowhere near like what he's what he was and what he's considered now in the football world is dramatic. And, and the the all time fork in the road moment where Roseman gets kicked to the other side of the building, Chip gets full power to where we're at three and a half years later, where I, I just, I read some tweets of just like people taking shots, combining the two of them of just the comments from Eagles fans. Like how he's a made man in this town. And it was just how he can eat for free in my restaurant. And of course he does. He won a Super Bowl as the GM. And most people right now in Philly are like, we got the best fucking goddamn team in the league. You try to mess with the birds. You see this? You see our roster? What are we thinking? Fifteen and one. Wentz MVP. And they're feeling themselves rightfully so. They're they're pretty stacked, guys. You, you, just, you sound like uh, what, Sco- what Scooter Magruder? <laughs> yeah. But you, like right now on paper, the Eagles are one of the heavy favorites to be one of the best teams in the league because their roster stacked. How he's in the peak of his powers, just humming right now. And Chip is kind of getting made fun of. And to me, it's a double whammy. Because I, I think a lot of people that don't just, we don't cover college football. Maybe you live in L.A., but I, Coward had a good take last night. He's like, there is a shift in L.A. just based on, there are two NFL teams here. So there was a period of 25 years where USC's always been a big deal and they will be a big deal. But when they're not good and you got the Rams and Chargers, two playoff teams, we talk about this a lot with Bay Area sports. There is a fight for attention. So UCLA sucks. Like the Rose Bowl could be half empty by early October, and it's not like they're ever considered like Georgia in the town. But they are. UCLA is a big deal in that town, or they were until these NFL teams got there. And guy, he doesn't like to recruit, and he's been open with that even at Oregon. But at Oregon, they were. I mean, they literally were brown bagging Will Lyles. They got nailed for that. He got a show cause penalty. But they, even by the time he got there, Bilotti had this, this kind of. Just, uh, how would I say it? Like a conveyor belt. Yeah, pipeline of just, they were getting dudes. They would go to Northern California, and they would go to Southern California, and they would get NFL players. NFL players. Defense, offense, line, quarterback, you name it. Chip doesn't like to recruit. And UCLA, I don't think just recruits itself. Like, more spent a lot of effort. When you hear about some of the stories, like, how did he get Kenny Clark? Well, he went to fucking prison and talked to his dad. Like, Jim Mora, for as bad of an X's and O's coach was, you can't dispute his effort with recruiting, right? He went well, to John, John, 
it's part of the reason he got fired is because his recruiting classes were always really good, and then they wouldn't win a bunch of games. Wasn't Miles Jack from Georgia? Didn't he go? Yeah, go look at UCLA's recruiting classes under Mora. They were really good. Yeah. So part of, you know, you're always, whenever you fire a guy in the NFL, you always want the opposite of the culture. We're in, in, in football, you're either probably doing one of the two. Like, you know, he's a pretty good coach, but he can't recruit. You know, he's a pretty good recruiter, but he can't coach. Usually one of those two. Well, they, they thought that Mora clearly could recruit, but they needed a better coach. Well, then they get Chip, and you're watching them last night, and you go, here's his other downfall guy. His staff hiring in the NFL was laughable. Absolutely laughable. And then you go, well, God, did he have a pretty good staff at Oregon? Yeah, he inherited and kept, I'm pretty sure, like 90% of the crew. From Aliotti to Greatwood. I forget the running back coach's name that dressed really sweet. But all those guys were Bilotti's. No, you're, think, you're thinking of Don Pelham who was. No, I, I'm thinking of the running oh. back coach. But Don Pelham's another guy that he inherited. I'm thinking of the running back running coach back that coach. also wore sweet suits, who was this older black guy, super nice guy, who had been oh. there forever under Bilotti. Had recruit, you know, had coached Antoine, was it Antoine Smith? Uh, uh, not Akili Smith. Who was the who was the Wizenator from SAC? Their running back. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Some was he from SAC or is he from the Central Valley? Pretty, he was from SAC. I, yeah, he's from Grand High School. Yeah, that's right. Um, but that, my, oh, my, my my point is, like, he they were already getting all these sweet guys. His staff is bad. Jerry Asanero, who is a good defensive line coach, is his defensive coordinator. Uh, I, I don't know one person that I take credible on their opinion that goes, you know what, that guy probably could be a de- good defensive coordinator. Now, that gets said about guys that end up failing, but he's got Ontario no Ontario Smith. So, I, Ontario. I, who? Ontario. Ontario Smith. Smith. <laughs> yeah. Who is ba- a baller. I mean, it was yeah. a baller. But I, I just don't see, like, it's pretty clear where this thing's going that he had this moment when Chris Harris, because when he did get the one thing you'd say about Bilotti, was like, yeah, push the envelope on the players. Like, that was one of the things they did for years. They were, like, the much better version of Fresno State. Like, they were taking some bounce backs, and they, they were just, they were getting some guys that had no business being in a Pac-12 school, but they were kicking the shit out of people on the football field. Well, Chip kind of took that to another level, but then by the end, he hated it because the Chris Harris, when he got pulled over and the cop goes, where's the weed? He goes, I smoked it all. And just, it was, all that type shit was driving him nuts. So by the time he got to the NFL, he despised all those type players. So now he's at UCLA, just recruiting a bunch of high character, low, higher floor guys. The guy's getting his ass kicked. Like, you just watch and you go, the talent on UCLA and the talent on Cincinnati, I don't think it's that close. Like, how long is this going to last? Like, I had the thought last night, if he goes three and, what would it be, three and three and nine this year, like, could he be like a two and done? Is he a lock See, to get time You know, there? it's funny because uh, uh, on Instagram I got a DM from uh, Kyle Burka. You remember Kyle? We met him out at the uh, U.S. Open. Oh, yeah. And I mean, uh, uh, yeah, Pebble. Yeah, Pebble. And uh, he's he just said, like, here's an idea for, for your next pod. Which L.A. coach gets fired first, Clay or Chip? And my response was, the one that's at greater risk is Clay by a mile, just because that one's been building. Whereas Chip, to me, I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to see UCLA pay him to go away. Like, it's just, but I don't know if they're paying know if they're him that stopped. much money. They're paying him $3 million. Over $3 million. Um, but you just, you're making me think. Now, I do think there's a difference between... Chip Kelly, national championship contender, football superhero, and three and nine. Like, is there a middle ground where he can be 
can they just get find a way to win seven games and just show a little progress? Well, I think they'd be thrilled with seven and five at this current moment, right? Yeah, well, of course, after one loss. But I'm just saying, like... But I just mean even coming be- into the season. Like, they weren't thinking 10 wins. They were just thinking a no, bowl game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, because to me at UCLA with him, if they can find a way to get to a bowl this year, then I don't even think it's that much of a discussion because their schedule is not easy. And I think by the end of last year, I felt like they got... I thought they were playing pretty good football at the end of the year last year. Um. So my point is, I don't watch him and think like this guy can't coach football, but like you said, I mean, you, you don't. At some point, you go, okay, well, eight wins in Power Five football, consistent seven, eight wins when we're spending money gets you fired. Well, guy, think about this. At, now, not immediate. I mean, that takes a while. But seven, eight wins, like ASU fires a coach who, like they they did. The ASU fired a coach who was winning seven games, eight games. Yeah, it's just it's just the nature of the beast that we that we live in and deal with now. I also think when Wa- but, but just but my final point on that John is just like I think there's a chance he's that guy. I don't think he's just like can't find his own ass three wins every year guy. Well, I th- I think he can coach offense. That's what yeah, that's what cuz last night he was shifting and motioning and it was like, "Okay, Chip's kind of got his but, but, but here's the other thing that he doesn't like recruiting back to the staff. You are in football somewhat dependent on your coaching staff. So if you're the offensive, if you're a head coach and you're the coordinator, like you, you kind of need a good defensive coordinator. Well, you go, what did he have at Oregon? I don't know this guy Aliotti who had coached the program for like forty years. Like that's he didn't hire that guy. Well, who did he hire when he got to Philly? Billy Davis, who hasn't sniffed a coordinator job since. Oh, what did he do in the Niners? Oh, he hired uh, Jim O'Neill. Like guy, his coaches have been laughable. And then, oh, who'd he hire when he went to UCLA? His best friend that's a D-line coach? Like, you can't argue that that's somewhat of a red flag. Like, I'll say this about yeah. Clay Helton. He tries to hire, like, pretty high-level people. Now, right. It doesn't always work. I mean, but like, but you would say Clancy Pendergast is a guy that's a defensive coordinator. Guy, he was a defensive coordinator for a team that was in a Super Bowl in 08 with the Arizona right. Cardinals. I mean, then he tries to hire – then he – then he fires his coordinator offensive midseason, makes himself the coordinator, then goes out and hires Cliff, loses Cliff, and goes hires Graham. I, I, I have way more respect for Clay Helton as a coach. Uh, now, his ceiling will never be what Chip had at Oregon, and he'll probably be fired after this year. But just the things I've heard about him, like, he's a legitimate human being. Like, I, I don't even think Chip's a good guy. And people are tweeting at me, like, you're just bitter. Like, no, I don't care. I, if I if I thought he was some dynamic guy and he just didn't like me, whatever, I, I'd say that. I, I think he's the ultimate fraud. And a guy, I think that I had a buddy. I mean, the, the Eagles people, not Howie, but ooh, I'm sure Howie secretly gets some joy out of this. Uh, he would never say that publicly or definitely to me. Since 2015, I think Darren Ravel tweeted this morning, Chip Kelly's teams, Eagles, 49ers, and UCLA have gone 11-33. and At the end of the day, guy... For all the fluff and you know bad teams or whatever, he's eleven and thirty-three. Like that's a stretch that I think if you're a good coach, you probably get six or seven more wins out of it. I mean, over that time he's been paid more than thirty million dollars. Wow. ESPN paid some of that as commentator role between jobs. UCLA has paid Thank o- you, Ravel. <laughs> UCLA has paid over five million dollars. He is now three and ten as their head coach. And I, I, I just think guy, when you when Aikman and Wasserman, I think they thought they'd get a guy. Maybe he'd never be what he was at Oregon. 
but he'd sure as hell have maybe one year where he won like 10 or 11 games, and it, they'd be on the right path. I, 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 guy, is there a chance they start 0-4? They, San Diego State at the Rose Bowl to me is a must win, and that'll be fascinating how many people actually show up. But then they got two games back-to-back where they go against Oklahoma. <laughs> that's a loss. And at Washington State, that's probably a loss. So Yeah, I mean, so yeah, of course there is. But we were at a point last year where we thought they might not win a football game. And this is this is where I always go back to, like, let's watch the games. Like, if they're 0-4 with losses at Cincinnati against Oklahoma and at Washington State. the San, Or, like, let's say 1-3 and because you got to – I'm with you. you got to win the San Diego State game. Um but I, I don't like that's where I think using his record from last year at UCLA, I don't love it. Even though it was what it was, I felt like I watched him at the end of the year and they were better than three and nine. Now again, what am I really saying here? A bunch of three and nines, like you can only do that for so long. You only get one of those really. Back to back three and nines is terrible. Um, well, I, I mean, you talk. I'm just saying though, like like this get like this get like at Cincinnati, Oklahoma, and at Washington State, three of your first four games is is really tough. You talk to a lot of people that know a lot about. This conference, the coaches, the players. Do you think he's still held in the high, same regard that he was? No, of course he's not held in the same regard. Do you think people but even the, talk about him at all anymore? Well, but I'm just saying the same regard is like, is there a level where you're not held in the same regard as one of the best coaches in college football and you still can win football games? That you I, I guess when I say same regard, do you think people still view him as a good coach? Um, yeah, I don't think people view, I mean, but when you like, are you getting Chip Kelly? I don't think people think that, but I do think there are definitely people that still think he's a good football coach. Let's say he goes, misses a bowl game this year. Yeah. And then somehow misses a bowl game next year. Like, is he a three, would he last three years there? Would that be the, cause to me, I think he's definitely going three years. Yeah. To me, but he's getting the benefit of the doubt a little bit. Cause they're not going to try sure. to flip it over. And like, to me, like if he, if he can win, not if he can win, but if they win five games this year after three last year. And it looks better. Let's go worst case scenario. He went one and eleven this year. Would he get fired? I there's a chance. Now again, part of that there's just like the political dynamic that I don't quite you know like that's a whole other element. But I think that conversation does start like during the season. Yeah, because which I didn't think there'd be a chance. Like he's got some winnable games. Oregon State, Arizona. But I don't think they're going to go. I mean, no. But you just when you start looking at their schedule, like at Stanford, Arizona State's going to be good. Tough man. Colorado. I mean, even if they suck, that'll just be tough. Where's that game? It's at the Rose Bowl. At Utah. I know. At Their schedule's really hard. Cal's just feisty. It's just, it's easy to see them they, going they four beat, and eight. Well, and they beat Cal's ass last year, so Cal's going to be ready for that game. But they beat, they blew Cal out last they, year. And didn't they kick the, kind of the shit out of USC? Now, Helton yeah. could be gone so, by then, but still. But again, like, I, that's what I'm saying. is like, there's enough stuff. I don't watch him and think, like, this is malpractice as a foot. Like, you're stealing. You know what I mean? I still think there's a chance he's good. No, but, so to, that's why but I think, when I tell you... That he doesn't take recruiting seriously at all. Like it, it to me, it's less about like last night. I actually thought like if it wasn't for the quarterback completely fucking up multiple times, like I thought that was a decent game for Chip Kelly. Like he clearly can still coach offense. I don't trust his defensive coordinator, and when I know that he doesn't try in recruiting, I, I just I don't see how this ever kind of turns the corner to where I think they were hoping it would go. Which is kind of scary if you've hired him. Like, to me, once the word gets out, you don't try at recruiting. Now, in fairness, you knew that when you hired him. That's one of the things he, like, hung his hat on. Like, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I, I just don't see Nick, Urban, Dabo, Kirby, Shaw. I mean, even Coach Pete, who doesn't love it, I mean, realizes he needs it. Talk like that. 
It's pretty wild, guy. Say what you want about Helton, who again, bad coach. He takes recruiting really seriously. He tries. Yeah, is, is he a bad like is he a bad coach? I don't that that might again, like is he a bad coach at USC or like I don't think he's a bad coach. Who Helton? Yeah. Yeah, 100%, but I I respect like I I I'm sorry. I've lost respect for Chip Kelly when I he's just not going to recruit. You're just not going to recruit. Bro, you work in college football. So just quit. Like you, that that to me where you get where you're kind of stealing. Like you can't just be I hate recruiting guy in 2019. You know, it just... Well, I mean, uh, whatever. I just, like, ultimately, he's going to have players on the field. Let's just, does he win football games or not? That's all that matters. So if he wins football games with his guys, like, he's making... Whoever he recruits, he's making his bed with them. So does he win Does he win football games or not? And the, the other thing would be, like, this guy, DTR. Like, he's got to sign players, so... Yeah, DTR, this quarterback, was yeah. a pretty big recruit from Bishop Gorman. So he, he was Tate Martell's backup. He won games... His junior year. Like... Why, why does that guy look so terrible under Chip's watch? No chance he's just a bad player, but... Yeah, I don't... I mean, uh, I don't know if he's... A, I just don't know if he's a good quarterback. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like... Chip ain't... Is he going to recruit much better than that? Like, that's about as good of a player as he's going to be yeah, able to recruit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they got the... They, they got... um, They tried to get the guy eligible who transferred from Washington, who lost the quarter... Or didn't lose. He was... Colson Yankoff, who they'd been recruiting to Oregon. What's his name? Uh, Colson Yankoff. Is Yankoff a runner? Uh, he, he is. He's mobile. <laughs> yeah, but he's not like uh, like DTR can. I've never really seen DTR's him. runner. Huh? To me, watching the Utah yeah. guy last night, like Chip needs to get a guy like that. Now a little more accurate, but that's the type of guy he wants. Yeah, I like the Utah guy. I, I like Tyler Huntley. Uh, I just don't know if he can pass at like the level that you need to if you're really going to be like a, a national, conference champion. Yeah, he did hit some wide open balls. The balls were dropped. It wasn't all his. Yeah, fault. he did have the one drop. He had a bit bad drop. How about they e- run the shit out of the ball? Oh, and e- e- Enos's kid made a sweet catch on the sideline. Solomon Enos. Yeah, uh, I, I, I like what Utah's working with. Their defense is legit. Yeah. They're good. I mean, Zach Maul. I'm glad you're all in on Zach Maul. I mean, the guy would have been... He tore his ACL or he was going to enter the draft last year. But he's just a fucking animal. Well, if they go 11-1 or even run the table... is it Was that Utah's toughest pre, uh, non-conference game? Like, do they play some, like, Iowa or uh, something? They play... I think they play Northern Illinois. Yeah, I think that was their toughest Okay, so... Is it crazy to say that I... When you used to look around the conference, now maybe Eason or Costello, but... Zach Moss is easily a top three or four player of the year candidate. And I, I left that game. Zach Moss, yeah. If they, if they, well, they're going to win the South in all likelihood. Although I saw Herbie picked ASU to win the South. Um, but they should win the South by a couple games, I think. So if he rushes for 16, 1700 yards and rushes for 15 touchdowns, it's their best player. He's, yeah. I mean, to me, it's him, it's Herbert. Herbert, uh, yeah. If, if Washington wins, it's Eason. If, or, you know, Stanford, maybe Costello. Savon Ahmed. Stanford Costello. So, but yeah, he's if ASU, he's if ASU be, were to win, Benjamin's a baller. But if I, ASU wins the South, like just watching win. those two guys last night, and, and this is where the argument is against the first round running back because that guy has an ACL tear. Though he looks, I mean, guy he tore his ACL like mid season last year, and he looks fucking fine. It's looks amazing, pretty nuts. He doesn't just. There's a couple he plays like a where beast. he got kind of got like some like someone bent his leg and he kind of bounced out of it. I was like, damn, yeah, this guy's a monster. That you just watch him and and Benjamin, those guys aren't going to be first round running backs, but they're probably going in the top eighty picks. 
would it shock you if either one of them is starting week one in 2020? Like, that's that's the great part about the draft with running backs is you don't take a guy in the first round because I just get Benjamin in the third and he'll be my starting back. Or Zach Moss. Yeah, like, to me, Zach Moss, he's not going to be fast enough probably to be, like, a top-of-the-second-round guy, but he's probably he's a third-round pick, and he's a really good one. Yeah, like, I, he's, he's a better player than Royce Freeman was in college. And Royce was a fourth-rounder. Royce was pretty good. I, this guy's better. He's just more, yeah. more. Yeah, I think he is dynamic. too. I'm just, I'm just saying, like Royce, Royce had an injury Listen too. Listen to me, I watched, back I watched one game. But, but no, I think I mean, it shows Zach, like but Zach Royce Moss, can't beat out Philip Lindsay. I mean, it's, but yeah, Phillip's pretty good. But he was but not yeah, I mean, I think, I think, uh, I love Zach Moss, but because he just he runs like it's 1993. You know who Benjamin to me reminds me a little bit of is the. Atlanta Falcons running back Devontae Freeman. A little smaller, but super bouncy. Yeah. And really going to be good in the passing game. Can just make shit happen in right. the open field. Those, those just The thing is, both guys. those guys, John, like you're watching, I'm watching both both those teams yesterday. Like, both these guys are going to have, like, can we not have like 370 carries on Eno Benjamin by the end of this year? But Herm's just going to feed him, man. Yeah, he's got a little Pat Hill to him. Just, we're going to run He might touch him like throat. 400 times. But I, you know, in fairness to Herm, and I think no, Whittingham, I fine. They, they, who do they like the most? They, they envy Shaw. Like they want to play like that. Let's just get in a brawl. We, we get a football erection, winning a game seventeen to ten, where we hold you to two hundred yards. Well, John, go look at what Utah's done against Stanford recent years. Like they play well against Stanford. One well, and Herm has said over and over, we want to be like Stanford. We want to be like Stanford. Big guys. Talking to a dude at Niner Camp who works for the Cardinals, who was doing an internship. He's like, we just we have these requirements on players, recruiting wise, that are just pretty strict. Well, this is we're not we're not we're not signing Haberman to play middle linebacker, even if you're a baller. You said at where Stanford at ASU. Oh, at ASU, yeah. Um, Which is smart if you can if you if you can coach them. Because because hmm. I'd say the one thing about Utah is watching their program, and it's one of the all time great transitions. Because I texted you last night. I'll never forget when they made the transition. Because remember, at one point in time, it was going to be, and this would have been pretty sweet looking back, the Pac-12 was going to add Oklahoma and Texas. We would have been on top, baby. Think how sweet that would be. Like, who's Haberman calling this weekend? Oh, just Oklahoma-Stanford. You know? That was a a sweet pipe dream. But then they had to settle for Utah and Colorado. Well, at the time, it was like, you know, Utah, who'd been one of the best programs in the Mountain West, it was going to be a tough transition. A lot of people had like, been to the Sugar Bowl. I mean, had been to the Fiesta. Yeah, this is going to be really, really difficult. And the Sugar. Did they go to both? Or they went to the which? Uh, they had been to both, yeah, because they played Boise yeah. in one. It was just like, could they do so it? So I guess, yeah. And they haven't just done it, guy. They've been, where would the Pac-12 be without them like the last five years? Now, they, they said on the broadcast last night. Or did they play TCU? Was it TCU? It was, T- it was TCU, yeah. yeah. And then they played Alabama way Both back When the, Both those teams got hosed. That's what happened. Yeah. yeah. They had so, to play each other. And then they beat the shit out of them both. They definitely killed Alabama. I don't know what the TCU score was. But Whittingham must have been telling the broadcasters, like, yeah, it's been a little easier to recruit now. <laughs> you know? We're in the past. Yeah. Yeah. We've been saying that for a couple of years. That we're just getting a higher so caliber player. Yeah, it took a little while, but it's been a game. It's a major game. But, but I think with... It took a few years. With him... When you come from a smaller conference and you've had a bunch of success, you're not, and then you transition have success. I respect this about him, and Coach Hill was the same way, and Andy's the same way. They're open-minded with size. Like, he's not, to me, he's not never been a stickler for size. I'm not, I'm not saying he doesn't like it, but they have like 6'2 defensive linemen that kick ass. He doesn't need the guy to be 6'4. 
Now he'll take. No, but he wants his corners long. But he always has. He he was getting tall corners back when he was in the Mountain West. I'm more talking yeah. about their front seven guys. They've had a lot of guys over the years since he's even been in the Pac-12 that you go, God, they got a draftable defensive lineman. But he drops to like the fourth or the fifth because he's short. But he kicked the shit out of people in college because they're just toughness in the program, which I, I that's what I respect about him. Yeah, I, the other thing he's done really well is he's moved to a higher level of recruit, but he still is able to work transfers into the program pretty well. Like JC guys, now like they've got like a BYU. The guy who had a pick six is a, was a BYU transfer. Grad transfer, right? Uh, no, uh, no, I don't think so. He was he had to sit out a year. He like left BYU because they're going to make him sit out a year for a honor code violation. What did he do? Uh, so oh, because this is job. his second year. It's his second year at Utah. He played last year. <laughs> Most places you get kicked out for like cocaine or whatever. Like, yeah, I don't think. It, yeah, it was. Yeah, we just we, we played seven minutes in heaven. <laughs> yeah, it was, I don't. It was something. Yeah. Not married, so, you know. God. <laughs> Sorry, I got uh, needs. So he's made. They've maintained it really well. But anyway. well, do you know what's the one other part that jumped out to me? And God, I, I love the SEC. BYU's running back, that number five dude with dreads. It's like, oh, where's he from? Well, he started at he started at North Carolina, then he transferred to South Carolina, and now he's here. You're like, Jesus, that guy jumped out. He's like the third or fourth best player on the field. You're like, God damn. I know all the scouts are like, we got to keep an eye on this guy. <laughs> That's an NFL player. So uh, my overall takeaway, though, guys, yeah, I, I think Chip Kelly is in some trouble because it's you are a little bit, you know, your career in a place – Especially in college, when you start slow, there just can be negative momentum. And I think he's got a lot of negative momentum, kind of, and, and a lot's carried him from the league. And I, now I think a lot of people, like not just me, but I, I think when you start seeing the Dan Wetzels and the Pete Thamels, like, God, oh, this well, is. Well, people nuts. are enjoying it. Yeah. But I don't even mean enjoying it. I'm just saying, like, I did never expected to see this. Kevin Clark of The Ringer had a great tweet last night. He's like, if you would have told hmm. me. Year one of Chip Kelly in Philadelphia, that five years later, he would be playing Cincinnati on a Thursday night in college and just be getting manhandled, I would have had some follow-up questions. (laughs) (laughs) And to me, that sums it up perfectly of just this this avalanche from the top of the hill to where he's, he's much closer to the bottom right now, right, than even the middle of the summit. Right. Which is nuts when you give I we see a lot of fall from graces with players, because usually it's injury or age. You don't often see it with a coach of that magnitude, right? Like Urban just stays good, Belichick stays good. Like Andy has a bad year, Tomlin has a bad year, they bounce back. Chris Peterson had the one bad year at Boise. It was just a blemish on his resume. Chip I I just don't see how Chip kind of stops the bleeding right now, guy. It feels like a boat. You know, with a lot of holes, he's trying to patch it up, and he, you know, he just there's just a lot of. Uh... Well, but like I said, to me, if they win six games this year, that stops. That just, you know, I, I would it, agree. It, but you just kind of peek at our schedule, you'd be like, it's no pretty ske- impressive. Schedule, six guys, even five, even five. And I know. So now, it's, I know. So now six. But, but, but he's got to win like, six of the next eleven. So, I mean, I don't disagree with most of what you're saying, but at the same time, it's like, so we just ignore that the schedule's... I'm not... Again, I'm not... I don't want to sound like I'm saying, like, three and nine's okay. I'm not. But we also can't ignore the schedule is what the schedule is. But again, that's part of hiring Chip. Like, he should be the favorite. He's lost to Cincinnati two years in a row. For sure. No, I know. Year one and year two. Again, I'm not arguing against it, but I am saying, like, I do feel like the avalanche was just waiting to happen, 
and he is going to be the coach here in all likelihood for at least two more years. Well, so let's see what it looks like. Well, I think part of the avalanche was educated people like me would have said, UCLA, what are you doing making this hire? Because I, I think that's kind of fair. Like, this is it, we sure this is the right hire? It was because to me, it wasn't just some no brainer hiring Chip Kelly for them. That's where I think if you wanted to take yeah, a step no, back. Yeah, no, that's and, true, but I, under, but I understood it. Like, I get it. I, I know this. People people that I, – I just got two texts right now. It shows you everyone's – I bet the NFL just locked into bubble, guys. I'm getting texts that read from NFL people, highway robbery, hashtag well, fraud. I know. That's what I'm saying. I think, like, it's, <laughs> it is one of the biggest stories just in football. Yeah. Highway robbery. That's on a big four-person group text I'm on after the Ravel tweet got included into it. Highway robbery. Whatever you think about him, it is a pretty just wild story, right? Just yeah. on a surface. Like, Clay Helton family, that's pretty normal college football, right? If Wilcox is solid. Like, these are, most of the Pac-12, you know, storylines are just pretty obvious or pretty consistent or pretty normal. This one is probably their biggest curveball because of the hype. Because, like, if you went, well, how's Herm been at ASU? Well, he's killing and recruiting. Well, yeah, I, I, that makes sense, right? You're telling me Herm Edwards crushing Yeah, and he, beat, and he had a big, last year he beat Michigan State early on. He's just, it's going really well. Yeah. It, it couldn't have gone much better, right, so far for him. It's going really well. Yeah, I'm Team Herm, not Team Chip. Of course. All right, um... Kyle Shanahan, team three quarterbacks. Uh, Which, I mean, we've we've talked about this, right? <laughs> like, it's going to be what it's going to be. And uh, I'm not so much worried about the roster spot as, and I think you've said this and been saying this about that. It just, it is, it is a crystallizer on if there's anybody that has any confusion over who's in charge of personnel. Well, what's to be gained out of it? Because the article I wrote the other day, I looked into the teams that wrote, or the good teams last year that kept three quarterbacks. And they all there was a little method to the madness. Like the Eagles kept three quarterbacks. But if you looked at it, if you kind of did a deep dive, you went, well, they loved Nate Sudfeld, and they were terrified of, if they cut him, they'd lose him. And Foles was going to be a free agent. And remember the big story last year was like, well, were they going to franchise him? Well, they clearly have been having talks like we're going to extend Carson Wentz. The moment you give Carson Wentz, I don't know, $110 million, you can't right. then franchise your backup. So Foles was done. You had to keep full, uh, Sudfeld. Like that I was like, okay, it makes sense. The The Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson wasn't close to playing, so they, they, they were just going to use him in packages. So they needed a real backup quarterback, which RG3 was, which was also kind of unique to what they were going to do with Lamar it made sense. Uh, the the Pittsburgh Steelers, they jo- remember Mason Rudolph, who Roethlisberger refused to help at first, and Mason was like, "Yeah, it's a little weird, but you know, I'm just looking up to the guy." That Mason was couldn't beat out Josh Dobbs last year, but they had just drafted him in the third round, so you can't cut a third round pick. But he's not good enough to be your backup, and you you view yourself like a playoff team. You're like, I get it. Well, what happened this year? All reports, you know, point to them either trading Josh Dobbs or cutting Josh Dobbs and Mason's going to be Ben's replacement. So big picture at the time you get, you see where they're going like big picture on this. What's the point of this Kyle? Like 
CJ's not good enough. Now, last night Kyle was saying he hasn't told anyone who's going to be your backup. I, I, I kind of expect CJ to be a quote-unquote backup, which is insane. Because Mullins last night was like, yeah, I'm not... Basically saying, like, I'm not... I don't know I'm some lock to make the team. And the reporter's like, bro, you're going to make the team. But I, I think Mullins... Is Kyle using these Jedi mind tricks to, like... Inside? Kyle, what are we doing? Like, are, are, I'll tell you what he's doing. Flexing his power? No. Uh, let me give you this scenario. What if he looks at Jimmy Garoppolo and goes, Dude, I don't know if you're going to be healthy past... Are you going to get hurt week one? Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to get hurt week two? Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to get hurt in the first month of the season? Yes, and now all of a sudden I and now all of a sudden I need a backup quarterback because my backup quarterback is my starting quarterback. And because like this is where and that's again, my like, point where it just doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. But it doesn't matter. Like we don't think it's going to make a difference in terms of wins and losses. But this is where I say, and I've said this to you before. I don't like him carrying a third quarterback to me doesn't like functionally matter to me. Like I don't. Well, he's taking whose roster spot. Like I don't care. But it's to me the bigger picture is kind of what you've been saying. It's like, well, is there anybody that can say to him, "Hey, Kyle, look, like, like CJ's not C, CJ shouldn't CJ shouldn't be the backup. We're just not good enough." Like guy. I'm almost right. So, but if he's thinking, if if part of his thought process is, I don't know if I can trust Jimmy Garoppolo to stay healthy. I think like, I think it's fair to assume that slash he likes CJ. Because it'd just be a normal thing to assume that Jimmy might get hurt. Because I'd be... Th- well, yeah, we're all, we're all thinking, thinking it. My bigger issue is, I think it's very safe to also assume many personnel people in that building are like, CJ's not any good, Kyle. So, if we want to keep a third quarterback, let's claim some other guy. They're going to cut Josh Dobbs, let's claim him. He's better than CJ. Like, CJ's not good enough, guy. That, to me, is my problem. And part of it's like, well, then why would Kyle like him? Well, because that was clearly his pick. You know? He, he is the GM. I got news for everyone. He's in control. They all answer to him. Two, we know he's very hands-on with the offense. He basically admitted the other day that Dante Pettis was his guy. That's why he's pushing him. He believes in him. They traded up to get him. CJ was clearly his guy after he had passed on all the quarterbacks. I don't know, a couple guys named Mahomes and Watson, which, whatever, that's his prerogative. But that doesn't look good three years later. There's just no way around it. Yeah. Especially when you get... Well, my, my, really, my truly favorite players in the draft was C.J. Beathard. You'd be like, oh, who else was in the draft? I don't know. This guy won the MVP his second year, and this other guy looks like I, I, he might be just a generational quarterback in Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, it's a problem, guy. That's if the, He's not a very good evaluator. I, I, I feel very confident saying that. Kyle Shanahan, great offensive mind, bad football evaluator, which he wouldn't be the first of his kind. Like, that's a good way to sum up Chip Kelly. The difference is, I think Kyle is much better coach in the NFL than Chip Kelly, and you could make the counter. We'd be like, "Well, Chip made the playoffs once, and he's right. He won ten games twice." I don't even. I just know as an offensive play caller, I'm more confident with Kyle. But both of them are just shitty when it comes to evaluating players. They, they just are. And if Kyle, we don't know this as we're recording this, they 100% keep three guys. I mean, you never know, right? They could trade a guy to Indy. They could cut one of them by tomorrow at lunch. I think tomorrow, for us on the West Coast, it's at 1 o'clock. You have to have your roster down to 53 on Saturday. So they, they got a little time. Uh, but if all three guys are on, I, I feel very confident saying, yeah, I just I, I, I think Kyle right now has a pretty big flaw that's just worth keeping an eye on. Well, I mean, I don't know that we have to wait for those three guys because I think it, it would be an upset if, like you said, it would be an upset if it's not all three of them. Um, 
if let's say we're doing, let's say you're listening to this podcast and he's cut one of them, the, the Colts need a backup so he could trade. He could. That's well, assuming Bab Ballard likes the guy. Which, but let's just say, but, um, like to me now the question becomes: I think at look, he picks the players that's asked and answered, established. Yeah. Now the question becomes: when he picks bad players, what does he do with them? What does he do if Dante Pettis doesn't perform? Does he give him more of a chance than he should give him? Right. That, that's like that to me now is the question. What does he do with his bad picks? Does he hold on to them too long, or does he move on from them? Yeah. And I don't know. And I'm not even sure yet. I'm not saying. I don't. I think it's too early to say. I'm not saying Dante was a bad pick. I didn't love the value. I haven't. But maybe he's a good player. Complimentary. We'll see. I don't know. That's a whole different. Well, thing. see to me that's a classic example of. And this is a classic chip go-to move. I have to have the player. They go, we know. We can get him a little later. Just yeah, you I could have argue to that have the player. You could, yeah. Well, fuck. Take a deep breath. We just let us pick the players. You coach them. One, do, Kyle, do you really have to have this player? <laughs> that, that was Chip's big deal with Jordan Matthews. I have to have this guy. Take him in the first. Chip, we can get him in like a fourth. I got to have him. So How we ended up taking him in the second. The hall? Yeah, it, it, but I, I feel like that's with Dante Pettis. Well, one, it's like Chip. Is this guy even, or I mean, Kyle, a top eight receiver in this draft? Why do you have to have him? Now, I I will say this for Dante. He still at least possesses like a bunch of NFL attributes that are still worth working with, though he might never live up to the hype of being a 41st overall pick. CJ is just, we've seen it. I I didn't need to watch one snap of last night, which I think he kind of barely played. Mullins played a lot more. Uh, I can't even speak. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But by, by the <laughs> way, by, real quick, because we didn't really talk. We haven't talked about hard knocks. Just this is the same. Did you see this? I mean, of course you saw it when Gruden gets on the head says like, let's let's see this guy Nathan Peterman that you guys hate. And then after the game was like, game ball Nathan Peterman. He gave Peterman like seventeen compliments during the post game speech, and then at, Nathan Peter, hey man, great game. I mean, he was well, so see, happy. That, that's a good example. Gruden really likes Peterman. Clearly likes him personally, is rooting for him, has vested interests, like is getting takes a lot of pride in Peterman just completing a bowl. And at the for all the BS and shit I talk, that's cool. You know, just take a step back. Like, you gotta appreciate that. Like, if Gruden can't get excited for a guy that he likes making some plays in the preseason, like, what's the fucking point of any of this? Like that's, he's a coach, he coaches offense, he's rooting for this guy to succeed. But I'll give Gruden credit on this. Who does he keep playing as the backup? Not Peterman. Remember in the like the third episode where he's like, yeah, let's see when Olsen asked him like, you want to go half and half? He's like, no, yeah, let's, let's give Glenn in about three, you know, three of the quarters. He deserves it. So I'll give Gruden like his emotions, which you'd say, who does he truly like more? He likes Peterman more than Glennon. Who does he know as a football unemotional evaluator is the better player? Glennon, right? So and I've been told Peterman will probably get cut. So I, I go, you know what? Gruden can be super fired up, and I don't think he's just doing it for the cameras. I think it's pretty clear since his quarterback camp. He likes his kid, right? But one, he's probably not going to keep him on his roster. And two, he's not letting it cloud. Like, you know, I just, they got to keep splitting reps. When I saw him say that to Olsen, you went, this guy is, Gruden has clearly matured a lot. Like, I, he, he's able to balance it. And I, I respect that. I, Kyle, at this point in time, is much more like young, young Gruden, where his emotions just... He can't balance anything. I, that's where I think, and maybe like when Kyle's 50 years old and not 38 years old, he'll be able to do it. Because Gruden is, do you agree, he does not act. I'm not saying he doesn't have moments where he gets fired up, 
but he is a matured human from what he was 20 years ago. You agree with that statement? Just his ability to kind yeah, of control I mean, his emotions yeah, and stuff? I guess. I mean, I um, I feel like I've got what more I, access to his emotions right now just based on what he's been since. But yeah, I mean, I, I think he's pretty in control. Yeah, Just more in control of his emotions and just understanding the way you got to be with stuff and probably a little more player-friendly. But to me, I thought he's, I'm he's talking handled like, the AB thing really well. I think, but that that to me, just that that to me is maturity in a coach. It's just being confident and understanding. Like, yeah, I love this guy, but he's probably not good enough. But I'm gonna get I'm gonna get joy in him making plays on an 80 yard field, where Kyle fucking would have started Peterman, Glennon would have played like the last quarter and be like, yeah, we just we were gonna give him equal reps. Like Kyle, I mean, Jesus Christ! But this isn't a high school jamboree here. This is the pros. <laughs> what what are we doing? What I, Kyle's emotional? I, I don't know, man. I, I I got I got some red flags. Now, if Jimmy plays well, none of this shit matters. But if they lose against Tampa and it's a guy went down and their backup's terrible, you go well. You're missing a spot here. Now, at the end of the day, on game day, whether you know Gruden or Kyle keeps three quarterbacks. That guy, they're not dressing three quarterbacks, right? He's one of the guys in sweats. So right. you dress 46 guys, and there's, I'm not a math major, that's seven guys in sweats. <laughs> you know, so, but that's the difference. You don't, you, of course, you're not going to keep three quarterbacks active, but you might, like, well, we could keep wide receiver down, keep an extra lineman up. That's part of the puzzle. I don't think keeping three quarterbacks just on the surface is always wrong. Because like I said, the, the example of Baltimore last year, it made sense. Eagles made a lot of sense. If CJ, let's say Mullins had been an undrafted free agent the last couple of years and they really liked him, and CJ had just been a third-round pick, like this year, you'd be like, yeah, of course you'd keep CJ, right? It would be a no-brainer. Yeah. You'd be like, I, I'd keep all three. But I think we look at it where we go, CJ can't get any better. Well, and, and, yeah, and what we've seen from Mullins, the two times when we've seen both guys play, Mullins has been better in NFL regular season football games. Yes. Uh, all right, John, let's tell the people about Legacy Box. Oh. Yeah. Legacy Box is uh, uh, really a, I don't want to say a lifesaver. It's more of a legacy saver, the lifeblood of your heritage saver. It's very yep. simple. When you go to LegacyBox.com slash ham, LegacyBox.com slash ham. You get 40% off your order. And you put all your fam- family's memories, your memories, your grandparents' memories, VHS tapes, wedding photos, childhood photos, all that stuff. You put it together in a box, and you make sure it lasts for generations more because LegacyBox.com slash ham digitizes all of your family's memories and keepsakes. Well, Guy, don't you want to be your family's hero? Yes. Think about how often your mom, your dad, your grandparents have those those photo albums with the Polaroids, or maybe have that VHS with you, you know, playing with your your brother, or maybe that 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 dog that you guys had when you were growing up. R.I.P. Because he's probably not alive. That'd be a long time ago. Yeah, my, mine is my late grandfather reading books to us as toddlers. So it's just the, the pictures of the grandpa and you guys reading books. No, it's VHS. I can't even. It's hard to watch. Yeah, so, I mean, well, you can digitize that, and you go down memory lane, watch it with your family. You get joy in what you once had as a family, even though they're gone. And that's the thing that Legacy Box does. It lets you keep all these lasting memories, 2019-style guy, and they've been doing this with over 450 families. 
have trusted legacy box. You have trusted legacy box. Four hundred fifty thousand, John. Four hundred fifty thousand, yes. Six figs, guy. Six. I mean, we're almost headed to half a seven figs. So just go to legacybox.com/ham. Forty percent off today, and you're crazy. Limited time offer for our listeners. Exclusive discount only here. Go to legacybox.com/ham. Forty percent off. Come on, guys. Yeah, you. They send you a box. I mean, it's so easy. They send you a box. You fill it with your old home movies. You fill it with pictures. You get a barcode, you put a barcode on each item so that each item is, you know, they really value your stuff. It, this is all done by hand of the United States. And then you get updates as they go on each item. And then obviously you get all your keepsake, all your memories back. Plus you get it all digitized if you want DVD or a, a USB or however, digital download link, whatever you want. Legacybox.com slash ham. 40% off, like John said. Be your family's hero. Um, okay. Jadevian Clowney. This blew my mind. The offer for Jadev- for Laramie Tunzel. I mean, we've come a long way for Laramie. The offer for Laramie Tunzel. Who reported this? Was this one of the Miami papers? Yeah, it was just the uh, Armando Seligar oh, okay, and, yeah. and his buddy for Miami. I mean, they covered the Dolphins. Clowney and a first. Cl- Texans are giving you Clowney and a first-round pick for Laramie Tunzel. Well, I think most people consider Laramie Tunzel the best left tackle in the league, the best young left tackle in the league. So that's not that crazy. Like, what would it cost to get a 25-year-old left tackle, right? A first and a second. It would be expensive. I think it speaks more. You you would clearly offer a first-round pick if you're a playoff team for Laramie Tunzel. No problems at, no questions asked. You could look at Laramie Tunzel kind of equivalent like of like a Mac. You know, it's a little different because you can't quantify like his sacks, right? You just... I mean, there are metrics now for offensive linemen, but it's really the one position that their only stat is games and games started, right? There's no – you can dive deep into the analytics like PFF grades, but what does that really mean? How many penalties they have? Like, this guy's an elite player. So, them offering a first on the surface just for the guy is not that crazy. And I look at Clowney. They don't want Clowney one. And two, Clowney's value is not a first-rounder despite him being – I think he's almost underrated at this point. People are just like, oh, Clowney. Talking about underrated him on Solomon Twitter. Thomas. Or in the league? No, not in the league. Yeah, okay. I think I talk to people in the league. Oh, he's a game wrecker. So, John, let's let's say if I said right now, what is Clowney's like? Texans are going to get a pick for Clowney. What do they get? They're not getting a first because the contract with, with the good. with the way it's set up with the contract yeah, currently. With like, if he was under, yeah, yeah. Let's deal with the reality. With the like, way it's set up with the contract, a third. Well, I think like a team like the Patriots might offer like a second, but they Wait, wouldn't second. do that. Would they? Would Would the Texans trade Clowney to the Patriots? Uh, no, but I, like if you're the Seahawks, would you would you take would you trade a late second for Jadavian Clowney? I would. Y- yeah, one hundred percent. But if you're them, you're looking more for like kind of reinforcements right now. That's why I think they want Laramie Tunzel. If you're the Texans, want you need players. a player. You're saying if you're a Texans, you need a player because you're trying to win. You're trying to win now. So the with the Mac trade, it was more of a big picture move. This one. They want to do a swap. That's why I think like Seattle and the Eagles want them. Well, they go, we don't really want what you, you're giving. Even if you give us, let's say you give us a second and a third. That doesn't, what does that do for me now? I'm losing one of my best players, three-time pro bowler, and a guy who's become these last two years an excellent player, like a top five or six edge rusher that I need some players. So I think they're trying to look like Trent Williams, Laramie Tunzel. Maybe you have some sweet running back you're going to give up. Like I... Well, that's where I give the Texans credit, John, is they're, they're going... I'm not giving them away. What, what do we need to do to get a player back? If we've got to attach a pick to a guy who is a great player, but his contract situation is making this complicated, we're just going to do it. 
does kind of feel like a coach running. <laughs> it does feel like a coach running a situation. I'm, wait, you're telling me you're trading Clowney, who is one of the best players. His problem is his contract and a first-round pick? Well, why, why do you think Howie's involved? Because he's getting, he's getting an asset, in his mind, probably for like 70 cents on the dollar. He's like, you're telling me I can get Clowney for a late second? And like well, that, yeah. that, that value, though, to him is just, just then our infrastructure more likely is going to like it here. Worst case scenario, he hates it year and has a good year, or just we can't resign him. We what get a comp third round pick. What do you trade for gold for like half a season of expiring golden? A pay? third round pick. And, yeah, and so that, like, and, and he, he would rather that. That one was to me more like in a vacuum. They're desperately they're just trying to win. This one is just they're obviously trying to win, but they're equipped to win with or without him. This the value is like. Uh, you, wait, you'll take two threes? Uh, yeah, can I have my intern drive those picks to Houston right now? <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. It's like what te- what teams want to give is not what the te- – like the Texans want to give you a pick back for a good player, and teams that are good right now don't want your pick. Well, that, that's why I'd be a little surprised guy if he ends up with the Houston Texans, or I mean with the Philadelphia Eagles, because I the, the Eagles are never operate out of desperation in situations like this. So I, I just think they'll have a price. They'll be like, this is what we're willing to spend. If not, have Godspeed to you guys. Because, again, we yeah, don't they, need him. They would be more willing to overpay with a pick than with a, with a player going back the other where, way. Where I think Seattle might just go, let's just give our first-round pick for him and just assume we're going to be a playoff team, right? They might be a little more aggressive because I do think Seattle needs him much more than Philly. Look at Seattle's team. I, Pete, I guess Pete Carroll said last night, I was just scrolling Twitter this morning, like, some one of the guys I follow that covers Seattle is like, God, Pete doesn't usually do this, but he kind of made a statement like, we're going to be good this year. I know a lot of people think like, who was on your team? He's like, I, I think we're, I think we're a really good team. And I don't know, like, does he make a statement like that in his post game press conference to try to like inspire the guys? Or does he truly believe they're kind of good? Cause I, I don't know how good they are. Yeah. Like they have a first round bust in Penny. DK Metcalf's injured. They lost Frank Clark. They just, they just don't have – Doug Baldwin's gone. They just don't have as many reinforcements, at least that are name recognition that we know. So maybe he's kind of standing up. Yeah, we got some no-name guys, but we won with no-name guys way back in the day. You guys didn't know who Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor were. They turned out to be pretty good. Remember when we traded for Michael Bennett and, uh, and Cliff Averill? Because Richard Sherman told – when he went on with Pop and Lund, Lund one day when I was driving back from practice, he had a good point. He's like – People forget, when we got Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill that first year, those guys were backups because, like, Chris Clemens and someone else was on the team. Now, those guys, it was clear by about, like, three games in, like, Man, those guys need to play more. Was that a fart? Tim Ryan doing the foghorn. Yeah, I just... I I think, and if you just look at Seattle's history, I think they'd be more inclined to just, hey, we'll give you the one. So then, worst case scenario, if you're the Texans and you go, he's not going to show up. We got to get something for him. The one at the end of the day, a one is always good value. Like if you're going to trade a guy, right? You always just teams well, if you're Seattle, you probably like, John Schneider's thinking, I'm going to trade this first round pick anyway when the draft rolls around. I'm going to move back into the second round with it. I, I do wonder though, if you're a coach and Bill O'Brien. The one means more to a Howie Roseman or John Schneider than it ever – like, I, I think Bill O'Brien looks at a one like, who the fuck well, cares? Th- see, that's my question is, is he more likely to take a lesser player in return for Clowney 
than a more valuable pick because he's like, well, or, I'm getting or, or players. What if you're giving like a back, like a running back and like a linebacker just or something? Somebody, because I I just need. I know he's not a great guard, but I need a guard or something like that. Yeah, I, I think he would much rather have players, even if it's not Laramie Tunzel, than a pick. Which to me, it's bad value, but that's what you have when you've got a coach running the thing. What What was Jimmy Graham's contract status when the Seahawks traded Max Unger for him? I think he was under contract. They had to extend he him. He was or expen- Was he expensive, and that's why he was getting traded? Was that the deal? Well, I just think they were kind of down. Like they, well, just, you know what it was? Was the Saints needed an offensive lineman bad. And I just think that, like, we've got the best out of this. Yeah. You know, we can – guy, the, Jimmy Graham was not – didn't enter the league as Eric Ebron or Tony Gonzalez. He wasn't a first-round pick. He was, like, a third-round project, which he was unreal for him. But I think when you're an offensive coach, too, th- there's an ego and a uh, – just a confidence to go like, well, I'll find another one. Like Andy's like, okay, Tyreek gets spent it. I'll draft this dude from Georgia. He'll be fine. We'll go get Sammy Watkins. He'll the best couple years of his career here. Oh, Kareem Hunt's kicked off the team. We cut him. We'll find some Haberman and Middlecoff. They'll fucking catch the ball for us and run the ball for us. Like that's just – that's kind of how they think. And I think Pete Carroll kind of thinks like that on defense, right? I'll see you, Richard. We'll just find Griffin. I'll see, see you – See ya, Earl. We'll just plug in the next guy. Now, he might not be as good, but I'm, that's why they pay me the big bucks. Well, I, I know this. Like, if he ends up on the Seahawks, now we start talking, you know, the conversations we had about the 49ers after that Chiefs game and Staley and the Chiefs defensive line and their ability to rush the pass. If I tell like, you he's a Seahawk by the end of the weekend, do you look at the, the Niners a little differently in this division? That'd be a pretty freaking big addition for Seattle. Yeah, I mean... Do I look at the I look at the Seahawks differently? Do I look differently at the Niners? When I say look differently at the Niners, like, like I would be less confident. Like I, I made some, some well, bold predictions. Like they got to make the play. I just don't see how. Tell they do me it. right now, Friday morning. Do you think they're the second best team in the division? The 49ers? Not confidently, no. So I mean, yeah, me same. So I think it would be an incredible accomplishment then if he were to make the playoffs. If they get Clowney, yeah, because Clowney. Do you think Clowney would go to Seattle and suck? Because <laughs> let's just put that on. Like, Clowney would go to Seattle and be good. So Clowney goes to Seattle and is playing for a contract? I mean, I guess, you know, it's kind of the way it works in the NFL is weird. But bottom line is... I do think there's a chance... But here's the thing. Clowney, does he, get on the, could, does he could, step onto the field if they don't pay him? Well, they can't, though. Is there a chance Clowney just sits out of the year? Instead of doing I see doing a lot it, of people tweeting, like... At the end of the day, if you're Clowney, you're still giving up $15 million. So if you do, you could sit out and do what Le'Veon Bell did. That's $15 million. Right. Million. Now, he's already made 35. So that's always my counter with first-round picks. Le'Veon was, like, fighting for some big picture. Now it ended up being the wrong decision. But he had made nowhere near the money. Like, Zeke... Zeke was the top number four overall pick. Clowney was the first. Those guys have millions of dollars. They are not. The other day, who did I? Oh, Malcolm Smith, who I think was like a seventh round pick, right? So his first four years in Seattle, when he was a backup to those Legion of Boom, he was making every year, he was making like $600,000. So when he left Seattle, his career, he had made like less than $2 million. Over the next four years with the Niners and Raiders, he made $21 million. So hitting free agency for him changed his life. 
we're hitting free agency for like Clowney is going to change his life too, but he's already had his life changed. I, I don't think it's crazy if you told me Clowney sat out the season. How old is he? He's got to be like 25 because he was a yeah, true so he's, when he came Yeah, out. I mean, and he's he is not a um, a running back's value decreases so much year by year versus Clowney's Clowney. 26. Okay. So he's, he's still got his prime is, is longer three, than a running Three, four back's more years. Prime. Yeah, for sure. Remember, people wanted what, him to what sit what out. Would Clowney, if Clowney had hit free agency, what would someone have paid Clowney this year? $85 million guaranteed? Like, he would have got paid because he would have had a multiple offers, so it would have driven up the price. He might not have got Mac money, but it would have been pretty stupid high. I think he would have got paid. Remember, people wanted him to sit out in college. And Steve Spurrier would tell you, even though he played, he kind of did. <laughs> Remember Spurrier kind of making fun of him that last year? Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I don't know if we got Clowney's best effort that junior year. <laughs> but... If Clowney would – how I was supposed to bust my tail is going to be the first overall pick. Leonard Fournette would tell you the same thing. That's where I do think, though, the NFL people would say, those type guys make me nervous. You know who never stopped trying hard? It's actually kind of hard. you got to think deep. <laughs> I guess guys just naturally do it. I think a lot of guys do. Uh, all right, John, some other headlines. You mentioned Zeke. Jerry and Zeke. Jerry just said, like, basically, I, I'm not expecting to see him. Do you think it's a one? I mean, is he going to miss week one? You're right, because you've been asking this question. By the time we play, like, the DraftKings game, we would know if we do it, like, by Wednesday. Like, he will either, he'll either report or not report probably Monday, right? So we'll have some idea whether he's playing week one. Right. Starting to feel the way Jerry's talking, he ain't showing up. Well, Which is, who would have thought this a month ago? Yeah, and my thing is just like, if, you're, if you've made money like you said, you're him. Like, he's made money. So, I think from the beginning, you've got to be prepared to not show up. Well, that's where, your le- that's where your leverage is. That's where, like Yannick Ndokwe, the dude from the Jacks, he showed back up. Because part of it was, he didn't want to lose if he didn't show up by a certain date because he was only a third round, you know, fourth round pick or third round pick he would still be a restricted... He would, like, lose a year for restricted free agency. So he showed up. Or Yannick, who gives a fuck? You have all the leverage. You're their best pass rusher on the team by a mile. Don't worry about that. Uh, Aaron Donald had this happen two years ago. You're going to get paid no matter what. But your leverage is not showing up. The moment you show up, you've lost it all. You have. If if you're going to take that tactic, which I never really subscribe to... If the, I'm a high character guy and the team likes me, just show up. And they'll, like it, that's always healthier way to do it. But if you do show up, you've you've kind of waved the white flag. Even if there are certain dates, to, so you can avoid being an RFA two years instead of one, whatever it is. Like when you're that elite, just don't show up. You, you you got them by the balls. But the moment you come back, and this is where I do give Zeke and Melvin Gordon, they've held pretty strong, guy. You know I. I don't think either one's a lock to show up. I know there were some reports that Melvin Gordon, people around him say he's going to show up week one, but if I was his agent, I'd say just do not show up because you're going to get paid no matter what. They're either they'll trade you, they'll do something, but we'll just do what, not how show many, up. Does he have one year left on his deal or two? Melvin, Melvin Gordon has two. Okay. Him and, Z- him and Zeke are in the same, same draft year, same yeah. shit. They have... 
you know, this year of normal salary with Zeke's like six and a half. I think Melvin's like three or four. And then next year, that fifth year option for both guys is relatively high. Yeah. Like, and that's where I think the argument for the teams are like, Hey, Zeke and Melvin, you Zeke, you're guaranteed 13 and a half million. I think Melvin's like 12 for the next two years. You, you're got guaranteed cash. This isn't your last year of your deal. If I were advising Zeke, and I'm not holdout guy, but I, I'd say we've come this far. What are we showing up for week one? It makes no sense because now you're not. Not only you're not getting now, unless there's some belief that like, unless Jerry tells you, unless you believe that if you just show up and show that to Jerry, then Jerry will give you a new contract. That would be the only reason to do it, right? If Jerry's Jerry's like, show up in good faith, and we'll work something out. Yeah, maybe that would be the argument to do it. But if I had Zeke on my fantasy team, I'd be concerned right now, big time. Or if I was just like a real life Cowboys fan. Well, just as a fan of Zeke, I I, I feel like we're not going to see him week one. Uh, no one can talk shit to Gettleman these days, John. Kid's hot, guy. The kid is hot. You want me to read you a stat? Give me Daniel Jones' uh, preseason. If this was a game, if you just had a game like this in the regular season, what would you say? 29 of 34 for 415 yards. I'd say Mahomes isn't winning the MVP. So, yeah, it was the fourth preseason game. Or, I mean, you know, mainly every situation he was in, it was fourth preseason game like he was playing backups. I tweeted that one picture of the guy on his own team, like, making, like, what is a great catch. And the DB was, like, whose head was between his fucking legs on, on the sideline. What is going on here? But... 29-34, I don't care who you're playing. That's that's a pretty impressive guy. He's clearly been accurate. To me, do you know what else that shows? Huh. This guy's pretty smart. Right. Like you, you can't be that accurate in an offense of intricacies of an NFL-level stuff without knowing what's going on. So I, I, I give the kid credit because everyone, in, I mean, media, fans, most people listening to this, we all mocked and laughed. At Gettleman, but really... It, it was the pick, but it was also just the way Gettleman presents things. Yeah, but when, when you're mocked for something your GM does, and you're that player, you f- it probably feels like everyone's making fun of you. Yeah. D- yeah. Which probably wasn't fair. But it's know? it's one of, it's still a weird situation in that if they've nailed the pick, they've created another weird situation for themselves, which is what do you how do you handle this if the guy's... Like, I mean, based on the year Eli had last year, if Eli Manning wasn't the quarterback, we'd be saying, why isn't Dale Jones just starting? Well, think about this guy. If Right? If this was, yeah, if this was, if Hayward Middlecoff were based in New York, and you'd be the you'd probably be living in Manhattan, I'd be living in Harlem, and uh, and we were recording this right now, we'd say, what are we doing? What, what are we waiting for here? Let's, I want Daniel Jones game one. And that has nothing. That's not a slight on Eli. It's just it, the time is now. You draft this guy in the first round. Let's play him. That, that would be our conversation. What are we waiting for? One hundred percent. Haberman, Manhattan, Middle Cop, and Harlem. That would be our take. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if like Harlem's like that even bad. Anymore. I don't. I don't know if it is. Uh, I just know Manhattan's a sweet spot. Yeah. I wouldn't uh, mind living in Brooklyn. I see Brooklyn's where everybody. They, they say that's that's the that's trendy the spot. spot. The trendy spot. Yeah. I don't, you think I don't that, know enough about New York. Do you think that Gettleman would get uh, Daniel Jones a box of awesome.com? I think he would, but I don't want to go to headlines quite yet because, I mean, i got a couple more for you here. Okay. Um, two more, actually. Uh, one was just involved. It was actually just part of this, which is uh, 
I, the, my favorite tweet from week four of the preseason was Colts fans, they go from Peyton to Luck to Chad Kelly. Luckiest organization in sports because he was 13 of 16. Speaking of preseason numbers last night, I was just going to add that to the Daniel Jones conversation. Uh, Josh Rosen did not get the starting job in Miami. You know what crossed my mind last night? What if you did this if you're Brian Flores? You go, well, yeah, it's clear Rosen's a more talented player. But if this guy, if we are going to believe in this guy, let's throw him a little bit of a shit sandwich. See how he just reacts for a week. You know, and then if it wins, we can just stay with him. If he doesn't, maybe we can make a chance. But let's just let's just test his metal a little bit. I don't know if that happened, but if I was Brian Flores, who comes from Belichick, you're, what's the rush? You're not trying to win games. Yeah, you don't want to win, really. Is, is that a crazy move to just let's if, get a week of just watching Josh the way he conducts himself, see if he's still coming yeah, in early or a month? I mean, like, because here's what you know: when Fitzpatrick is your quarterback, you got a at minimum a great backup. And you might get a month of just fantastic football. But at some point in time, you are guaranteed to want to see your other guy. Right? That's Fitzpatrick's history. So we're going to see Josh Rosen start multiple football games this year. That's going to happen. And I'd argue it's going to happen before It's going to happen before the second week of October. Like, it's uh, happening. I think it's happening by week six. Well, if he does that, then it was probably pretty clear that he, he wanted to see the kid react. Right? Or maybe just a a byproduct of Fitzpatrick not being that good. Well, but but maybe it's also like I let's say they're close. I think Rosen is right there. Um, but what I don't want to do is start Rosen and then have to go to Fitzpatrick. So let's start with Fitzpatrick because the track record says he's not going to play. He's not making it. Like he's just he's, he might do some sweet stuff, but I'm gonna need to replace him at some point. And then we go to Rosen, and then I'm not replacing the kid. I'm doing it the other my, way. My only issue though is. You're going to get a smaller sample size with Josh going into the offseason when you're going to be in the quarterback market. That would be my only Yeah, but like I said, what's the longest hot streak for Fitzpatrick? I mean, last year, about two and a half games. Okay, so that's what, like, you're going to, you're getting, like, to me, Rosen's starting a bunch of games. Like, he's starting well into the double-digit games. This Guy, year. you do remember week one, he threw for, like, 450 yards and beat the Saints last year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're going to get and did, did, get Didn't he best. dress up by, like, week two by, like, Conor McGregor? Remember that? That's right. It was fantastic. Because he, he was wearing uh, Deshaun Jackson's stuff. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, Deshaun, Deshaun gave him his chains. Yeah. Gave him his chains. Gave yeah. him his chains. He's like a, he's like a, a, a hum, like a Hummer. He's like, he's a guy like eight miles of gas in him. But those eight miles are going to be aggressive. You know, if you had to guess what Ryan Fitzpatrick has banked in his career, what would the number be? Well, what what I mean, I'll give you the year he came into the league. This should be a new segment: NFL player contract versus like the seventy fifth best golfer who's made came money. came into the league in '05. Okay, so he's what been round? Around, uh. He was his first couple years like two hundred and fifty grand. God, people was he undrafted? Uh, seventh round. Okay. Can you imagine that? Everyone's like, God, the players good. Guy was making two hundred fifty eight thousand dollars. Happy as a happy as hell. Signing bonus twenty eight thousand dollars. Probably well, I guess he had a scholarship, so he got out. He wasn't in debt from again. Oh five. Oh five. This is twenty nineteen. So fourteen years. I'm gonna say he's made. I'm going to say he's made uh, – I'm trying to remember what his big contract was in Buffalo. But, it wasn't that crazy. But. Oh, it wasn't that crazy? Okay. I'm going to say he's made um, 
$35 million. $58 million. <laughs> and that does not count the five and a half he'll make this season. So what was his Buffalo contract? Buffalo deal. That was his biggest contract, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it was $22 million or something guaranteed. I, I can't. I, I don't exactly know, but he, yeah. He'll be over well over $60 million by about October, guy. Okay. In his career earnings, but I think the crazy thing when you look back, like God, he was only making two hundred fifty-eight grand. All, all the pro player people would be like, the oppression, the oppression for the player. How did he? How does he? How's he supposed to pay his agent, live in a mansion, and drive a Bentley on that salary? How can he do it? Tell me, can can I, can I retweet some agents, please? Ah! God forbid he gets cut and people on Twitter make fun of him. Oh, and then he's got no guaranteed cash. This is this is out of the goddamn contract. Uh, last thing on headlines here I wanted to hit, because you were talking about John Gruden's maturity earlier. I will say, the way he handled watching Hard Knocks, the field issues, just passive aggressive towards everybody. It's not the referee's fault. You guys, so you guys going to explain to us what's happening out here? Yeah, and the referee handled it really well. Actually, it wasn't the referee; it was one of the other officials. Yeah, we're gonna play. We're gonna move the pylons up. We're gonna play at an eighty-yard field. Touchdown's gonna be the ten-yard line. We didn't create this. Packers team doctors didn't want to play. Honestly, if it was the officials that I, if the officials said we're not playing on this, then I don't. Then they made the right decision, whoever's decision it was. But when he goes up to Matt Lafleur, and Lafleur, you can tell is intimidated. Like it wasn't the best. I'm just a little concerned about like. You know, it wasn't Mike commanding Tomlin the or Belichick standing there, kind of holding his ground. I did not feel great about it because he's like, "Well, what's uh, what's the what's the what's the deal with the field? You heard anything?" And Gruden's like, "Well, what's the deal? You guys want to play, or you guys don't want to play on that end, or what?" And he's like, "Oh man, I you know I told the guys I want to play, but you know I it's like I don't it's up to them, you know it's not a, I was just like, "Oh, how about just say this, Matt? Hey, John, there are two fucking holes in the end zone." This is an NFL. This is my first job. I, I, even though some of these guys might be selling insurance by week's end, I'm not having them run over something that has a half, half or quarter inch elevation in the end zone. I'm, I'm sorry, John. That w- or just yeah, we're not going to play. That's this is. It, where's your fucking business, morons? They, they, I, I didn't sign up for this. We don't want to play here. So I thought it was weak for Gruden to try and intimidate him, but then I, I. We got punked. Yeah, he punked. Yeah, him. the floor. I was like. If he's an offensive genius, then he's an offensive genius. But, like, part of this is, like, there was a power struggle. Like, Aaron Rodgers is not – like, you got to work with him. And can you command him to the degree that you have to as the head coach? I, I don't know. I'd lean no, guy. Like, that was, I thought, pretty telling. That I'd lean a no. Because then did you notice – I had to rewind it, like, twice. But as they're running off the field, Gruden yelled at him. was like, how was the field, Matt? Or something like that as he's running off. Did you notice that? <laughs> no. Because I was like, because he shakes. After someone, the game or at halftime? After the game. They show him like shaking somebody's hand and then he jogs off. And I had to like, did he say Matt? And I'm like, yeah, I think he, I assumed he shook Matt's hand. So he, I don't know, it was weird. If, if that's not exactly what happened, somebody tell me. But that's what it seemed like was happening to me. He did a quick shake. I mean, it was a little Belichick man genie. Kind of like, fuck you guys. And I, and I, if I was LaFleur, I would have shot right back. Fuck you guys. You created this. This is you. Stop blaming me for your fucking problems. I, that's what pissed me off about Lafleur getting punked. Matt, you have a ground to stand on here. The field is messed up. The, the, there was a elevation in the end zone. 
So yeah, you'd want to play with it. Of course you would. You guys flew four hours in a game that you sold out, so you don't want to get embarrassed. Of course you guys want to play. We don't. We're the Green Bay Packers. Oh, yeah. We don't yeah, want to play. Like, ah, I know it's not Lambeau Field here. It's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, that was not a box of awesome. LaFleur deserves one after having God. to be exposed. Like, the other thing, like, LaFleur. You- I, I, I was out on the floor guy, and I've never quite done this to this extent after the first presser. It was an oh. eye-opening, like, holy shit. And I feel even stronger about my initial take on that 10-second interaction between the two of them. Yeah. One, it's like, well, I mean, the man on the moon can tell you who the alpha and who the beta is in this conversation. Uh, all right, John, let's tell the people about Box of Awesome. You mentioned it. Boxofawesome.com, promo <laughs> code HAM, 20% off your first, your first box of awesome stuff. I know I've got my second box coming to me. You already got your second box. Uh, what is a Box of Awesome? Guy, to get started, boxofawesome.com. Just answer a few short questions that will help you get a feel for the boxes that'll go best with your style. Whether you're in search of the perfect drink, well-kept pad, or maybe a jet-sitting style like me and Haberman. That's right. Just uh, this, th- these boxes, guy, are all under $50, but they have more than $70 worth of value. They sent me this sweet little day bag, which is awesome. I- I'm just... I'm gonna use it today. I might go uh, meet my brother in Davis a little this afternoon, play a little golf. I might just put some uh, little change of clothes. You talking in there. about you talking about Jeffrey Middlecoff second at El Macero's <laughs> ch- uh, course championship? Yeah. How many people you know in a 36 hole match against a scratch golfer shoots 70, still loses by five, but wow. you know, he went low. Uh, and again, I'm gonna use my boxofawesome.com. They, they sent me a barrel aging kit, uh, also limited edition cigars, weekend bags like the one I have. They have it all, guy. Again. Boxofawesome.com. Go check it out. And you better believe our promo code always coming through in the clutch. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, it helps you upgrade your style, whether it's around the apartment, around the house, clothing. What's great about it is you never get anything you don't want. They just open up your mind. They open up your world a little bit. You get an email ahead of time. It shows you what's in the box. If you want, if it's a shirt and you want a different color or a different size, you want to swap it out. You don't want the shirt, whatever. So you only end up getting sent the stuff you want. Um, and if you don't really, if you're not feeling the stuff that's in the box that month, then you just skip it. So it's easy. Boxofawesome.com. Enter the promo code HAM at checkout for 20% off your first box. Woo! All right, some uh, college football games. And, of course, that's mybookie.ag promo code HAM. Uh, I think the one, one everyone's talking about. HAM1. Promo code HAM1. HAM1. Uh, Alabama 32.5 against Duke. Gross. You that's see their big game this year. Like their best player on their team, or best player on defense. Oh, yeah. Who's probably going to be a first round pick, Moses. Dylan Moses. Is it Dylan, right? Dylan Moses, torn ACL. That's that stinks, man. Um, what you I mean, look, Oregon Auburn. Oregon's plus four. Uh no, Oregon's plus three and a half. You know Massive game. Justin Herbert, big time quarterback prospect. Fan, I don't know if it'll be the best defense he faces this year, but Fantastic where, where, defense. Where, I always forget this. Where is the game? Jerry's World? I, somebody said, I thought it was at NRG, but maybe it is Jerry's World. But it's, it's not in Auburn. No. Uh, I, I just, you know, looking at the pressure on Oregon, looking at their schedule this year, just knowing when you play in the North, the teams they have to play. Yeah, it's in Arlington. This thing is just, I, I don't know if it could be any more must win for them. And the pressure on this conference, or the pressure that they take for the conference, 
which has taken a beating these last several years. And now people are starting to really just like kick them when they're down. Because I saw Jeff Schwartz had a good tweet. Stuart Mandel or, you know, McMurphy was like, the Pac-12 is now 0-5 in their last five games against the AAC and Mountain West. And Schwartz is like, yeah, well, it's Oregon State and UCLA and Arizona are the three teams that are 0-5. So they're the three worst teams. But, like, the counter, like, it's just, that that's the perception right now. And the perception's often reality. I just, I just close my eyes and go, do you picture Mario Cristobal beating Gus Melzon when they've had eight months to get ready? That, that's where I struggle with, guy. Not, you know the roster better than me, and I know they're good. Uh, and they've had a bunch of these sweet JC guys transfer, and they always have talent. And but it's, but it's not like well Auburn's just it's just they've just been they stole a couple guys from Fresno State. Last time I checked, Auburn gets pretty good dudes too. Yeah, right? they, they're not going to be chopped liver. Now he is. Isn't Auburn going with a true freshman quarterback? Yeah, Bo Nix. This is where I think I give Crystal Ball credit when you. What's say that what guy like a one star? <laughs> yeah, um, like. Mario Cristobal has been building to a game like this by in the way he's built his roster. And they have been... When you're like, well, what's Mario Cristobal do? Well, he's nailing recruiting, like crushing recruiting, right? They have some people... I mean, it's one of the best offensive lines in the country, and part of it is this true sophomore left tackle who is, I mean, in two years, it could be Trevor Lawrence one, Panay Sewell two, in two drafts. So... They want to pound the rock. I think the question for me with them is they lost a couple. They're wide receivers. They got a guy hurt. Micah Pittman, who is the SC younger brother, Michael Pittman. Here, here, here's, here's what I got on Bo Nix. He was the number one pro-style oh, yeah. quarterback I mean, he's in the a stud. last year. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a true freshman's first start. Yeah, which is tough. And Oregon's experienced on defense. Um, new defensive coordinator. But I think they got a real shot in this game. Uh, in part because they got the they got the guy back. Like to me, this game is all about is Justin Herbert's going to be a top half of the first round quarterback next year? Okay, like I can say that right now. I haven't seen him play. He's going to be a top fifteen pick next year. The question is: Is he a top fifteen pick because of his skills, or is he a top fifteen pick because of his skills and he put together a great year? Which is it? Like if Josh I'm gonna, Allen's a top fifteen, I'm 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 gonna counter that a little bit. Do you think he's one hundred percent top fifteen quarterback next year? Because I I do see a path for him maybe being like a late first rounder. If yeah, I, I'm just saying. Like I th- I know what you're saying. Are, he, he, well, he's got t- he's got number one overall talent. Yeah, odds are I'm just if Josh Allen's yeah. a top fifteen pick, odds are this. But you're right. There's a chance it's just whatever. Just given there's so many quarterbacks in the league. But I just think like even if he's not I know great, like just based on his skill set is fantastic. He's so- he's fucking huge. He's Kyle smart. probably thinks he's, he's likable. Sixth. He's got a cannon. Like he's got all this stuff, John. What'd you say? Kyle probably take him in the sixth. Thinks he's <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't hate him. But the, so, like to me, he's got all the stuff that you just get drafted on. If he, you know, God forbid, gets hurt on the first snap and doesn't play the whole year, he's a top fifteen pick probably. Yeah. But the question is, like, is is, is it going to be because of that plus? Because now it's like that plus. If he has a great year, does he go ahead of? Is he the number one overall pick? And like this game is going to be a big part of what people are saying about him when we're in the draft next year. How did he play against Auburn with all their dudes, with their defensive line that's supposed to be really good? Yeah, well, I'm just reading this. The winner of Oregon-Auburn projects to be the one of the eight most likely playoff teams according to the All-State playoff predictor. 
So whoever wins this game, and this is just the nature of playing a huge game week one or two, whether that team, like that team doesn't necessarily have to go on to be great. Just the momentum of that win, then if you take care of business, you're in the driver's seat, right? Like Auburn wins this game, and this is where the SEC benefits from. If Auburn wins this game and then Oregon goes on to be a 10-2 and team and Auburn's only one loss to Alabama, like they're going to have a pretty good argument to get in the playoffs, right? Right. Where Oregon, I, I just think that... Well, I think, I think for Oregon what it is is it's going to be really hard. Odds are you're not going unbeaten. No one's gone unbeaten in the Pac-12 era. But, yeah, but, I, but I think the odds of getting a one-loss Pac-12 team in the playoffs is probably slim to none because more than likely... You're going to get at least one, if not two, unbeaten teams in other conferences. And then we know the SEC, that second-place team, probably getting it. It's just they're fighting an uphill battle. And this is where I'm talking about the perception guy. I think for the Pac-12 to get in this year, and again, I mean, there's so much to be played out. Don't you think the team probably has to go undefeated? No, I mean, well, you might. But to me, it's not going to be a perception issue. It's just a matter of. Like, like I always say, last year there were three unbeatens. There were, in the previous history of the college football playoff, which is not very long, there had only been a total of three unbeatens. Now you look well, at no, well, well, Clemson. Clemson's, go, Clemson's going unbeaten this year. Alabama's probably going unbeaten this year. Okay. So the question then becomes, is Notre Dame unbeaten? Is well, one so loss? He, he, what here, about he, one loss? Yeah, so but here, here's my in the playoffs. Let me just say this real quick. If you're a one-loss team, you've got a shot. Like, you've controlled what you can control. You've got a chance. If you get if you don't get in because, fuck, there's three unbeatens, then, you, then okay. Well, That's that, part of the deal. I, I, well, I think, that, I think that rings true for Texas or Michigan or whatever. But I think the problem is if you just go, well, there's four one-loss teams and an undefeated Clemson. No doubt. You go, Clemson's in. The SEC team is a lock-in. You would say, well, the SEC second-place team's got a legit – case you just see like the Pac-12 probably is already behind no for sure I'm just saying like in the whole perception debate like if you want if you were a one-loss team no one can talk shit about you like you lost Auburn whatever no one's like like fuck you guys like talk shit about somebody else you can't talk shit about them you didn't get in the playoff well okay fine I was I was great you know what I'm saying like that's that's where I hope these guys that the Pac-12 does get an undefeated team so they do make the playoffs because that's what I think it yeah you're right as as we sit here today either you did or you didn't I think the Pac-12 to get into the playoffs, assuming that there are going to be three or four one-loss teams from like the major conferences. Because I think if you look around this year, separate Clemson, who's just – I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I looked up his numbers today, was 13-23 or 23 last night, one touchdown and two picks, and they beat the shit out of Georgia. ETN? Tech. Yeah, Georgia Tech. Yeah, Georgia yeah, Tech. ETN was a beast. He said he's like, yeah, I, didn't, I played shitty. That was his comment after the game. You see T. Higgins' touchdown catch? Uh, well, who's T. Higgins? The the Clemson wideout. They're so sweet. I mean, they're just so the, to me. They're like a basic lock because they, they're a lock if they're if they if they're a one loss team. Then they you do got, play. A, they do play A and M this year. Texas A and M. Yeah, next week, right? I, I think next week's docket's pretty good. Isn't Texas LSU next week? There's some pretty good games. Uh, I and I hate doing that with football season. I'm basically a coach. You know, after you get a big win. Ten seconds into your, you know, the Michelle Tavoya, whoever's handing you the mic, you're like, we're already, we already got to get locked into to ASU or to, to Iowa State. They're always talking about the next team. You're like, fuck, just use you work all week and you don't even enjoy the win. It's yeah. like we're already, we're already thinking about like, uh, you, you know what, uh, what Paul Chris likes to do with his motions. It's like Jesus Christ. That's a crazy part about coaches. Like you can't even enjoy the win. 
But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this game is enormous. It's enormous for Oregon just because of the hype, just because of the quarterback. And I think on from an NFL draft standpoint, if Herbert just throws three or four touchdowns and looks awesome against a team that's going to be just – Auburn's going to probably be pretty good. That'd be a go a long way to kind of flexing his muscles. Yeah. I, I do think it's going to be a little hard, like, for example, Tua. The counters on Tua are going to be pretty easy. Well, he doesn't have a great arm. He's playing with the best team in the country. And that's – I think Trevor Lawrence is going to get that probably next year. Well, the talent around him is so elite. With Herbert, it's, he's going to kind of elevate some guys a little bit. Yeah, that's part of the deal. He's going to have to, yeah. So – he could just have a massive, you know, flex. Go flex on him, mm-hmm. you know, with four or five touchdowns with everyone watching. I would imagine this is the five o'clock ABC game, right? Herb yeah, it's, this is yeah, this is Herbie. This is the game. You see Herbie's? I didn't realize this. We got two kids playing for Clemson. I didn't know that either. How badass is that? The comments on it are just great. Like, oh, too good for Ohio State now, Kurt. <laughs> well, he lives in Na- com- like guys. You know, he moved Clem- to Nashville. Well, then it's just Clemson responses like, yeah, he wants to win natties now. Oh, yeah, we got five in our history. And it's everyone's like, yeah, we've won two of the last three. And it's just that's the entire of the ESPN tweet. It's like kind of emotional. You can tell it's a pretty powerful moment for him and his kids. You can eat Corso's like, soak this up, man. I coached my kid at Indiana. Like, it was just a cool moment. Mm-hmm. And the comments are just a war zone of face-painted avatars of Clemson and and of Ohio State and just a couple like Michigan, like I wouldn't have gone to Ohio State either, like throwing jabs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. I read them all. <laughs> like and when I see there's like seven replies to one tweet, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good little thread. I do like Oregon and the points in this game, John, but that might be some. I, I don't know if I'm a. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm on uh, I, I really want it. I might. I just really want Oregon to be good. Yeah, I want him too. I just. Have you talked to Mario? I mean, do you think he's is he good enough? Um, well, he's not a coordinator. He just wants to run the rock. So, I mean, he's done his you're, job. Like, yeah, I mean, like, he's recruiting his ass off, John. So, yeah, but I mean, so you, he does not call the offensive plays? No. Marcus Arroyo is their offensive coordinator. Andy Avalos from Boise State is their defensive coordinator. So and he's uh, CEO. And he wants to fucking pound the ball. Like, <laughs> is he even the O-line coach or no? He just I don't know. I mean, that's his history, but I don't think he is technically. He probably does it. But there, I know this. Their O-line's legit. So if this goes well, like he's got a pretty good gig then, right? Yeah, but but again, like I like he to this point, the stuff you evaluate CEO head coaches on, he's like he is recruiting his face off. Yeah, so and they got money I, to pay coordinators, so it could work. I mean, Jim Levitt's gone. They hired a guy that everybody thinks is good. Where is old Jim Levitt? I think he's just hanging. That was kind of weird the way that all ended, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So. Like that game, wasn't about was that because Jim Levitt wasn't his guy? It was Taggart's guy? Yeah, and then Jim Member wanted the job when Taggart left. Like, they interviewed against oh, yeah. each other for the job. So, it basically, like, came down to those two guys at the end. Yeah, I don't know if it came down to them, but... That's what it felt like on the outside. I don't know that if, like, was... they thought about... I don't know how seriously they considered giving Levitt the job, is what I mean. Yeah. Cristobal had a big leg up in the uh, in the interview process. Uh, well, well, I he remember, been, like, a bunch of players signed a thing that said they wanted him, delivered it to the AD. I was saying, Chris Ball's been a head coach, but Levitt had too, right? He'd been yeah. a head coach at UCF. So. Right. Anyway. All right. Yeah. Well, enjoy the weekend. and. Uh, oh, yeah, Washington State, Washington? 7 o'clock Saturday night, John. I'll be watching. I actually might go to Cal UC Davis tomorrow. Oh, nice. What time is that game? I think 3.30. 
So you can go for a couple hours and bounce. You know, get home. For, get, well, Oregon Auburn's at four thirty. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna record it because I'm probably gonna miss some of it. But it's like I pretty cool. I grew up going to Cal games. Yeah, Dad was a big UC Davis guy, and I think UC Davis is legit. I mean, it's this could be a closer game than I think people think. I agree with you because Cal ain't exactly uh, Mike Leach or he ain't gonna they ain't gonna throw up fifty points probably. Right, defense is good, but. Now I do. I think I saw a stat like in the history of the. Like I think they've shut out UC Davis a lot in their history. They've well, played this like might seven be, or nine This times. might be the best team in the history of UC Davis's program. Returning all these starters from the first ever division. Their quarterback's supposed to be pretty team. good. Yeah, I mean, I producing NFL guys. Keelan Doss. I don't know if you heard he's from Alameda. <laughs> I have heard. God. <laughs> all right. So okay. Later. Later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.